Welcome to episode four of the Triple Takeover Toycast. This week we're going to be talking about toy displays. And of course, this is somewhat influenced by the impending arrival of a massive planet-sized transformer on many collectors' doorsteps. I am joined here on episode four by toy writer and photographer Liam from Toybox Sobox. Waka waka. And toy writer, photographer, and YouTuber Sixo. Hello indeed. Lads, how's it going? All good here, thanks. Not too bad. So, you know, still locked down at the moment, but uh, got a bit of new toy joy going on with uh, old Kingdom Air Razor, so that's quite exciting. Liam, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, thanks. I'm still sat here with a now slightly smaller Titan class glass of wine, but, uh, you know, all good. Thank you very much. Hang on a minute. I just mentioned Beast Wars there, and I fully anticipated both of you stepping up to the plate to show your level of interest, but you just kind of glossed over it, Maz. I'm surprised. That's, that's our level of interest. <laughs> that, I was just about to say, that level of ambivalence has now just permeated to the point where... It's unbelievable, <laughs> honestly. Absolutely just unbelievable. ignorance I, now. <laughs> I, will, I will get you both talking about Beast Wars at some point, I tell you. Now, toy displays versus storing toys this is um a topic that every collector probably struggles with there are creative solutions there are desperate solutions we've all got our toy displays and you know sometimes it's dictated by circumstance sometimes we are lucky enough to be able to display our collections in exactly the way we want to but inevitably at some point we're going to end up with toys in storage or the worst possible thing moving collections between homes or even rooms so I think it would be an interesting place to start by talking about why we display toys at all. It's one of the distinguishing factors between having toys as a kid, playing with them, and then being asked to put them away, and you put them in storage until they're needed again, and you pull them out again. As adult collectors and people who enjoy toys, uh, we set up displays. And why do we do that? Yeah, it is a bit of a weird one. And I think it's a really interesting point versus how we are, you know, with toys as kids, or, or I suppose, moreover, how we as adults teach our kids to be, if that makes sense. Because certainly with us, like we have little toy chests and stuff for for our boy, do you know what I mean? And, and it's very, it's like a nightly thing, you know, like tidying up, putting all the toys away, etc. But you know, we don't really like get him to put them back on display or anything like that so um but he does obviously see my display and so he knows that that's what I do as well and I, and I do think that there is a little bit of that creeping in with him he does seem to like putting certain cars and things like that up on a, on the top of his drawers stuff like that so I don't know maybe I am influencing him a little bit <laughs> as well but yeah it, it's a it's definitely a strange one for adults it's um something very particular we do uh, I guess maybe it's um let's be honest like a little bit of showing off almost it's like you've you've created this you've curated this thing you know you've kind of put all these different pieces together and it's nice to just kind of have it to look at and kind of you know in all its magnificence if that makes sense absolutely and i, I agree with you on influencing your child with the way that you display your toys because I, I think about my daughter's room and, and of course she is asked to put her toys away uh, mainly for my safety when i'm in there <laughs> But uh, she also has displays. She has Lego displays. She has displays of her OMG and LOL dolls, neither of which you'll be familiar with unless you have a daughter. That, that's another episode, I think, right yeah, yeah. there. Uh, but Liam, does your dog have his toys on display? She's literally just walked in the door, as you've said that. That's why I keep looking down. But uh, she does have many toys on display around this house. Like the, They're literally over every floor, every step, every surface. 
There's either a teddy, a ball, or some previously destroyed thing. Actually, that reminds me of uh, Sixo's interview that I did with him for TF Source, how his entire collection was displayed on his stairs. That was hilarious, man, because for, I swear, for like a year or more after that, people were still asking me if I actually displayed those toys on the stairs. Like, it wasn't a specific <laughs> really? thing that was... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Of, I got a lot of questions about that, saying, but how do you get upstairs? Like, don't you tread on them? And I'm like, well, dude, they're not, like, just permanently on the stairs. <laughs> it, was, it was actually... It took forever, my wife and I, putting them all out over the stairs and everything, So, uh, which was, you know, a lot of fun. And then trying to get you know around to kind of not tread on them doing the the photo shoot and whatever but yeah no tons of questions about it i think people just assume that i left them there the whole time which is uh kind of bizarre so liam why do you display your toys see i'm not really convinced that i do display them i kind of i think it's more of a storage thing for me because like most people like yourselves you've both got very nice cabinets and stuff i have it because it's a lot easier to store sort of vertically mm. and i don't know it's, it's a lot easier to reach when taking photos of things and just pull something off the shelf than having to root for a box so does it not like is your enjoyment of your collection not affected by how they visibly appear at the times when you're not interacting with them directly no no not at all like if you were to look at my shelves you'll find it they started out with you know you'd start out with a series don't you and you try and group them together it's all very earnest at the beginning but then it just keeps growing and growing and eventually you're just chucking things on wherever they fit and it's like oh there's a tiny bit there with no dust let's put a huffer there and that's just how it goes <laughs> you see already that's almost completely the opposite to 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 the way i display my toys because i know that if if i have too much on display where I don't feel like things are getting their room to breathe or they don't look the way I want them to. And I know when I'm overcrowding a shelf, I know the root cause of that is that I bought too many toys. I probably got a few too many on display, but I don't want to put it in storage. And that does start to affect how much I can enjoy my collection. Really? See, you should come around here because mine look like a crushing crowd at like Leeds or Download or something like that. They're all just crushed in as far as they can get i think uh, i suppose i'm going to throw it out there but do you guys think that maybe certainly with liam because i can identify with some of that that the the photographer in us and it might just be an us thing do you know what i mean because not everybody's a photographer obviously there are plenty of them out there um but you know maybe it's just that kind of practicality element that you were saying uh, you know liam that you you kind of it's not so much about having them nicely on display so that you can look at them but there is that kind of ease of use you know if you want to get to a particular toy or whatever you know i mean for the photography which i don't know certainly in my case is a big part of it as well because it's so like at the forefront of how i interact with them well yeah and it's it's a a convenience thing isn't it it's just being able to sort of turn around and grab something rather than having to kind of like search for it and it's just yeah when i'm taking photos a lot of the time it'll be the same for you you both you just something will pop into your mind and it's a lot easier to just grab it if it's there versus if you've i don't know got it locked away or something i suppose i remember yeah. certainly having quite a few toys in a in a particular row and they were accessible in that they weren't even behind a cabinet in the last apartment we lived in they were just on a surface so you know a lot of the mp level toys and the third party toys that i was photographing for review I could just reach for them. But the problem was there were so many of them out there that by reaching for one, I would inevitably knock a few others over. It just became this expensive game of dominoes. One of the appeals of having a, a collection spaced out for me is that if I do want to grab something, there's no obstructions to it. 
and there are just a couple of shelves I have, like G1 cars and one of the variant shelves, where there's so much packed in there that it is a little bit discouraging for me to actually go and grab something, even if I know I want to photograph it. Yeah, I, I mean, I know what you mean. I, to be honest, I probably end up somewhere between the two of you. Do you know what I mean? In that I, I do like having them on display and I do like kind of grouping them so that they're, you know, in, in an order that suits me in my brain anyway. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure some people would look at it and question the logic of it, no doubt, but that's fine. Um, but, you know, like with, particularly with the G1, you know, it's nice to kind of have them uh, kind of sitting in, you know, with their respective kind of sublines and whatever else. But um, but equally, I do like the kind of practicality of having them to hand so that I can photograph them when I want. Having said that, they are pretty crowded in my display. And that is just purely on account of, you know, the number of toys that need to fit into a certain space at the end of the day. There's only, you know, you kind of get to the point where actually realistically spacing them out anymore or having, you know, as you were sort of saying, Maz, you know, not overcrowding the shelves and particularly not having that domino thing, that's, I mean, that's long gone here. And uh, I guess realistically, yes, it would be nice. It would be lovely to have them all kind of, you know, with much more space in between each one or whatever else, but it's just not doable, I don't think, anymore. I don't know where I would, you know, I'd I'd either have to significantly reduce uh, the number of of toys that I have or get a lot, lot more space. I was just going to say, do you not find that over time your sort of growing collection sort of, outstrips the the space you've got because like when i first got the shelves it was some of it was to display stuff but as time's gone on now there's just stuff all over the floor because it can't fit and it's different sizes and it's it's just grown to a point where they've sort of changed the purpose well they say work expands to fill the time available and yeah. toys expand to fill the space available that, that's they definitely do they definitely do i think my problem is that i frequently will kind of change up a display or whatever um but then i i almost kind of get it to how i want it to fit the toys that i currently have and i'm not very good at like leaving space for the stuff that might be incoming do you know what i mean particularly when you get into the kind of review game do you know what i mean and obviously you've got stuff turning up and whatever else that that obviously makes it you know more difficult as well uh and i i you know i think that that's quite common actually i think there are people that that specifically leave you know like you you already kind of hinted at unicron you know i know there are people that have been trying to make space for unicron for when it arrives but the equally plenty of people i know that are just like winging it you know that thing turns up on the doorstep and it's washing machine size box and then they're like okay where am i going to actually put this now <laughs> do you know what i mean and i i'm probably in that category a little bit to be honest that's why people have gardens, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Build it a shape. It's a unicorn. Well, the, this is the thing. Like, is there a distinction between people buying toys and it being satisfying and enjoying enough to know that they have them? You know, I have this toy. It's somewhere. You know, it's either in storage or on display or behind something or under something. Or, and is there a distinction between people who who buy toys but they only buy things that they know that they can enjoy uh, visually? practically and you know have it not create an extra display conundrum to solve for example i know when i've got too many toys because i'm looking at my display i know there's no more space to be had there by cramming them in i sacrifice the integrity of the display and what i want it to look like and if i put it in storage i'm not enjoying it anymore uh not the way i want to anyway and i wish that i would employ that kind of thinking a bit more diligently when buying toys because you know i've just gone and bought these studio series toys and a few kingdoms you know because of the 1986 movie line that they've done 
and it's escalated to the point where I've now got nowhere to put them. And they all just arrived in such a short period of time. Suddenly there's like Hot Rod Cup, Blur, Grimlock, Scourge, Cyclonus, and Alicon. And they're just everywhere, in my opinion. They're, they're crowding my desk now. And I know that I don't have space in my display behind me, my vintage display. So what, do I store them? But, but is there a difference well, for you guys in knowing that you have the toy and then being able to display it? Yeah, to some extent. I think it depends what it is. Like with Studio Series or with Generations or whatever, I actually don't put those in my display. Like, And some people, I don't know, maybe would hear that and think differently or be disappointed by that or whatever. But, you know, I am slightly particular with what goes in the cabinets and whatever else just because of the space. You know, there is no more space ultimately, so you have to kind of pick and choose. That said, I don't necessarily want to, you know, completely downsize uh, or get to the point where, you know, it's one in, one out or whatever uh, in terms of the collection. So stuff like Generations, I don't know. For me, those are toys to kind of enjoy not just on display, if that makes sense. They're like fiddle formers. You know, you pick them up, you have fun with it, you put it back. Um, but they're they're not toys necessarily that I would put in a, a cabinet or whatever, do you know what I mean, and, and kind of have on display in the same way that I would, you know, a lot of Generation 1 stuff. And uh, I mean, literally, I've got four cabinets. Three of them are vintage, you know, it's vintage stuff. Um, and one is Masterpiece. And, uh, you know, it used to be more 50-50, but it's kind of just swung that way. And I think that's because, you know, naturally what I can see myself doing over time is prioritizing the stuff that is, I suppose, what's well, more valuable or, or that, you know, kind of feels a bit more special or whatever else. And the kind of new toys coming in, I just find a different way to store them, but still kind of look after them, if that makes sense, not just, you know, chuck them in a box. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with sort of generation stuff, it's, I buy the figure first. I don't think about displaying it. I buy it, and I know it's going to go on a shelf somewhere, but it's, it never enters my head. It's just, I suppose it's that collector mentality, isn't it? You are buying the next thing you want or you need, I suppose. Need is a bad word, but it's that, you know, you are on this path and you keep picking up these characters and different toys. And so the displaying of them is secondary because once I get it, I know it's going on the shelf. And you do see people, don't you, they, where they do buy lots of toys in boxes and they don't even open them for years and stuff and they just kind of put them in rooms i still yeah. haven't transformed fort max i just thought i'd drop that in there <laughs> but that's a bit of a special case i mean that's like a massive toy that's a one-off that's not and normal that is exactly you. why he's still in the box because i don't have a display spot for him and it is right. actually genuinely affecting my enjoyment of it because i can't enjoy it it's it's just something that i know i could take it out of the box transform it have fun with it but then i would have to put it back in its styro back in the box, shove it back into the corner where there's space for it. And that's definitely affecting it. I was just going to say, sorry, just about the styro, because actually that's really interesting. Did you know that, I think it was in that that interview about Unicron, that that's why they gave it styro, apparently. Uh, Unicron was so that people can take it in and out of the box. Because they exactly what you're saying now is the same conundrum people are having about Unicron, of course. And that's why I think they, they thought, okay, if people are going <laughs> to need to put this back in the packaging, we'll put it in styro so that it, it's easy to get in and out. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And you were saying that with some of the new toys that arrive, the things that you've got in your display are maybe a bit more valuable, a bit more special. But that's a that's a consideration too, isn't it? It's you put the things behind glass that maybe need that protection, that need a little bit more breathing space. They need a little bit more considered storage. And even though it's visible storage, it's still in a way protection and storage because it's not a new generation's toy that you could just put in a desk and you know if it's not got a lot of paint apps it's not going to chip paint 
but you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't pile, you know, a bunch of painted new masterpiece toys on top of each other and put them in a drawer or a box or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, the generation stuff, most of it anyway, certainly 90% of it, uh, I will also share with with my son, you know, and let him have a go with them and what have you. They don't stay in Durable, his aren't they? room. Yeah, yeah, it, certainly more so, yeah. Um, certainly more so than Masterpiece or Generation One. Definitely. Uh, I mean, he does look at the other stuff as well. Do you know what I mean? But um, but it's the it's the you know the War for Cybertron and whatever. The, the, those are the toys that we actually play with together. Uh, other than the the ones that are his, you know, and stay in his room. Um, and and you know he's he's had a go on them, and, and I've left him to it, of course. But um, you know they they always kind of go back into. Uh, the room with the rest of my collection, etc. So, but uh, they, they are different in that regard. So, I suppose it would feel really weird to me, uh, and probably a bit confusing to him as well to have them like to be playing with them. Then be then maybe like okay, now let's put them back behind the glass, you know. And it's almost like there's a distinction there for him a little bit, if that sort of makes sense. It does. I- imagine there wasn't any glass though. If we're just talking about a shelf, then it's. Like mine. Do you think it would? It would. Yeah, it's just a bit more obviously that uh, mm. you know what? Maybe it's not obvious because the first thing that Liam said was that you know that's just basically his storage for them. So I, I was just wondering, like, it's possible to enjoy the toy, to play with it, enjoy it with with your son, or, or me enjoying it with my daughter, and then when we're done playing with it, it kind of goes back in the display, and then it's being enjoyed as part of a display. You know, especially if there's yeah a, a number of figures of the same line you know, set up in a particular way. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely possible as well. Uh, I suppose it, it really all comes down to your priorities as a collector, doesn't it? And kind of the figures that you see as like, as you said, the most valuable, whatever that metric of value is, whether that's monetary or just, you know, they're, they're kind of your sort of emotional connection or enjoyment with them or whatever it may be. I think whatever that sort of metric of value is that's ultimately what you're going to prioritize the most in terms of putting it on display somehow it's good it's naturally going to be the toys that you want to whether you kind of think about it that much or not it's going to be the toys that you want to have out on isn't it those those are going to be the ones that you prioritize for a display if you're buying toys for a particular series you know it's quite natural to display them together but then if you get something that's not part of that series would you then, but it's valuable to you and you really like it. You went out of your way to get it, maybe. Would you still put that in your display or would you then find a different solution for that because it doesn't necessarily fit in with the theme of what you've got in your display and that value metric that you're talking about? I think for me, it's a bit of both. Uh, I mean, I have stuff in uh, the cabinets that that isn't, you know, it's maybe a one-off or, or whatever, Um I don't know. I think my brain can always find some logic with it, you know, to try and tie it in. Uh, I mean, yeah, there is stuff definitely that doesn't quite fit in one way or another. But, uh, you know, for example, I mean, I, well, maybe it's not the best example, but I only have one Galaxy Force or Cybertron toy, and that's the the Optimus, the convoy. Uh, you know, and that sits quite nicely with the rest of the toys from that era. I mean, some people would say, oh, you know, you need you know that in a, a Galaxy Force display or whatever, but that's fine for me. I mean, I, I also have a couple of third party toys which I would say are one offs. You know, they don't tie in with anything. Uh, there's a, a TFC toys uh, ST Commander, which is the uh, kind of take on gi joe rolling thunder i don't know if you've either either of you've seen oh, it yeah. it's very cool oh, kind of green I lost Optimus after Prime. That toy. It looks yeah it's amazing. it's amazing it's really really cool complete one-off for me now they are doing a megatron actually coming up interestingly so i have my eye on that but 
you know, currently that toy has been a complete one-off for a long time. And I've had it sitting with Generation 2 because I kind of thought, it's a bit Generation 2, you know, kind of G.I. Joe as well. And so that was kind of the logic there. I've had it set somewhere else. I've had it on its own. I think it's whatever works for you ultimately, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I've found the amount of shelves I've got that, that have grown over the last couple of years. It's like I've got a whole shelving unit here where there's one shelf and it's got like Vinyl Tech, uh, third-party stuff. There's Armada, all of these sort of different studio series, all these different toy lines. They're almost like refugees from the other shelves, kind of. They've got nowhere else to go, so they just kind of get lumped together. But it, it actually makes for a really yeah. nice display when you walk past them because you just see, instead of seeing this, when I look to one side, there's quite a uniform, like the 1984 art crew of Earthrise or Generations are all together. But then when I look at this other side, there's this really varied kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's almost like a serial, you know, like multicolours and this stuff like that. It's just quite nice to see. Well, maybe does it depend then on how varied your collection is? Because like what you're describing, Liam, is, you know, where you've got all of these kind of odds and sods left over that don't necessarily fit in wholesale into other bits of the display. But, you know, clearly you've got a very varied collection. You know, if you've got stuff like vinyl tech and whatever in there, you know, whereas I don't necessarily have that. And I know Maz doesn't. Not and true. So not not true. Well, you've got some bits. You've yeah, yeah. You do well, have some. The bits. thing is, the top of my cabinets I have reserved purely for Macross, and in front of that, purely Mask. So I try to keep it in a way with a given formula. And then on the other side of the room, where my PC is, you know, there's a shelf above my PC, and that's purely Lego. And the tub that I have on my left is only Lego as well. And then on my PC. I mean, this sounds extremely messy the way I'm describing it, but I'm trying to keep them very distinct and not cluttered. I have some uh, some models from the Wipeout series of games. So I do have variety in what I have in the room, and it is actually quite important for me that I keep them distinctly to the areas that I've assigned them. And And it's that kind of thing that stops me buying more of a particular thing. I can definitely attest to that. Like, I won't yeah, buy any yeah. more mask right now because I'm not confident... I can fit that into the display. You should buy more. Do it now. I really want right to. Right now. Right this moment. <laughs> I really, no, I straight really now. do want to. More mask. Uh, <laughs> do you know, I can guarantee you there are people listening to this podcast saying, that doesn't sound messy at all to me. <laughs> what you've just <laughs> described like, actually sounds very organized, mate. Well done. Because, uh, you know, but I, there will be people that are like, I don't know, sleeping on a sea of plastic, plastic basically. Do you know what I mean? That they just don't know what to do with their... Uh, their toys and whatever else and that's not me knocking it you know it's it's a it's a struggle for a lot of people where to put this stuff ultimately but I, I think you've got it more organized than most I think the only way I managed to make it look that way originally was to store everything that didn't fit into the display so when we moved into this apartment I realized that I couldn't store or, or couldn't display any titans return or legends and I had nearly the full run of those two lines and no third party was on display and the masterpiece stuff wasn't able to be displayed because I had enough vintage to take up the number of cabinets I had. And as the cabinets increased, uh, they just got filled with the other vintage I had and was buying. And I realized that I didn't want to store things um, for years. And I just didn't feel that they were the kind of items that I prioritized enough anymore to rotate back into the display. And I know some collectors really successfully rotate displays and they keep it really fresh for themselves. And I respect people who are able to do that with discipline. And, you know, it's it's a way of curating your own collection for your own display enjoyment. And, and I think that's awesome. But for me, I realized all that stuff that was in display, 
it eventually led me to sell that stuff because I had to ask myself, am I ever going to put this out on display again? If not, why do I still have it? Am I holding on to this dream of one day living in a big enough home that I can display all the transformers that my heart desires? Well, then I'll buy them at that point. I think I told myself I'm, I'm just going to buy them at that point. Would you ever want to live in a place like that, though? Like, I, I've, I've had that thought before where I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe one day, you know, in a bigger house, more room. But then at what point? I mean, like, imagine living in, you know, some sort of, I don't know, country manor or mansion or whatever. I mean, how big a display of toys do you ultimately want? <laughs> at some point, it gets a bit gargantuan, right? Like, it gets beyond itself. Does this country manor have a butler? Uh, hard to say, mate, but it'd be good if it did. An Optimus Prime butler. For your reference, it's taken 33 minutes for him to get to that stage, <laughs> for him to bring it up. Actually, I love the idea of living in a place where one room would allow me to display the things that I want. And that's not a license to then go and buy things to the point where it's filled and messy again. I do have artwork that I can never display because I don't have enough wall space. And I would love to have a dedicated room where I could have all the Transformers and comic artwork that I have, all of the non-Transformers artwork that I have, and you know the Lego that I have, the, the video game-related art that I have. And, and I've bought video game-related art recently. And all the toy lines that I want to display. And, and even things related to my sim racing, you know, a couple of trophies here and there. I'd love to have a room, but only a room. I, I really don't like the idea of it spilling into other rooms of the house and i know that's something you're yeah you're thinking yeah about too. no definitely i i am I, we've talked about this before and i'm not big on toys all over the house do you know what i mean it's it's something that uh, liam's smirking he's like yeah yeah but uh, Just it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well but you know we know people and there are plenty of people that are the other way you know they just have toys everywhere and that's cool you know if that's your thing it's just for me personally uh, I don't know, strange as this will sound to people, I'm sure that they don't, they won't believe me, some people listening to this, but it's not my entire life, do you know what I mean? Like, there are things in my existence that are not robot-related. And so, I guess, for me, you know, I, we're, we're quite house-proud, and, uh, you know, having them absolutely everywhere is it just doesn't kind of work for me mentally, do you know what I mean? And that's not to be... It's not to say that I want them, like, shut away and whatever, but it's just... I suppose I like them to have their place. Do you know what I mean? And to look kind of neat, neat and tidy. Uh, and the odd, the odd one, like in the living room, is not a big deal or, or whatever. But you know, I, I can't imagine having them just running rampant. Yeah, we don't have like sort of transformers or anything like that downstairs. All the all the toys downstairs are mostly my girlfriend's. So it's more more like you know, like labyrinth Funko Pops and things like that. Stuff that I don't know. It's kind of more acceptable, isn't it, to have in a living room when you have people around and stuff. Baby Yoda, that sort of thing, just everything dotted on the shelves amongst other accoutrements and stuff. I used to have transformers on display in the living room, and I I really liked the way it looked. I had one Detolf cabinet next to the TV, one cabinet, and it, and the bottom shelf of that was, I think it was MP1 and maybe Masterpiece MP3 Starscream as well. And then on another shelf, I had just a handful of eHobby exclusives. Then on one shelf, there was animated toys. And on one shelf, there was Bayformers. You know, there was Human Alliance figures. and um, I forgot I you had Bayformers. Yeah, no, I, I displayed them for a really long time. And I really enjoyed them for a really, really long time. But that was another victim of... What do I want to display now? What's going to have to end up in storage? What does that mean for these toys, really? 
Because when that was that one cabinet in the living room and that was all that there was on display in the home, I really liked it. And I liked the way it was on show to people who came around and it was really tightly curated display. But as soon as I had a room for Transformers, having them out of that room suddenly felt a little bit unfair. Um, and also not just not the way I wanted it. I didn't want to see them everywhere in the home. I, I wanted them to have a dedicated space. Which brings me to something I wanted to ask you both. I think it leads nicely onto packaging. How do you store packaging? Do you keep packaging? Do you keep your toys in the packaging, in display, or in storage? What do you do with your packaging generally? For me, I oh, it's a mix. It depends what it is. If it's like, say, masterpiece or vintage, I try to keep it. But now I've noticed when I buy vintage stuff sort of secondhand, I try to find stuff without a box, not because it's cheaper, but because there's less of a temptation to keep hold of it. So I don't have to store it. It takes that decision away from me, really, because I, I find it really hard to get rid of things like that. But like with, say, generation stuff, it just goes in the bin. It's the best way for it. But then with Masterpiece, it's you're like, you, you think in the back of your mind, it's like, but if I sell it, that's more... I don't know, more valuable with the box, isn't it? You, f- you feel like people, it's e- an easier sell, I think, to other people. It is an easier sell. And I did realize when I sold my Masterpiece toys that I was taking losses on things because I'd no longer had the boxes. I had this epiphany and just decided to get rid of all the Masterpiece packaging because it was huge. And it took up so much cupboard space that freeing that cupboard space meant a great deal. But keeping it would have meant that I got more money when I sold it. But ultimately, the number of years that that would have lived in our storage just to make those sales had a negative impact on our lifestyle and our living conditions. Catch-22, isn't it? You just kind of, yes. you know, it's better for you to not have it. And you'd feel, I don't know, not happier as such, but you've got more space and everything like that. And it's less to look after. But the, at the there same is time, an element. Yeah, sorry, I was just saying there is an element of like hanging on to stuff just yeah. for the sake of it almost, you know, just because oh, it'll be better to sell. But then if you're not going to sell it for like five years, 10 years, whatever it is, it, it, it sort of negates itself. You know, it's it's a bit pointless in a, in a funny kind of way. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same. I, I do keep my masterpiece packaging because I love it and I really like that packaging. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a garage, so it goes in there quite neatly. Um, and, uh, you know, some uh vintage stuff i keep uh typically for kind of more higher end stuff so like star saber things like that do you know what i mean i would never get rid of that packaging uh you know same for a lot of it like anything kind of victory or things like that master force i typically keep uh fort max um but then a lot of it i i sell uh you know actually because you can get decent coin you know back on on you know whatever you've got for for some vintage packaging if it's in good condition or whatever else and you know if i'm only going to be like sticking it in a cupboard and not doing anything with it and but actually someone else really wants it well then it's a bit of mutual benefit isn't it it frees up my space someone else gets what they want i get you know a bit of money back on on whatever it is so it works out quite well um so with some of these things the um the packaging is part of it, isn't it? As well, like like you say there with sort of the vintage Takara stuff, it's very special. So it's it's kind of part of owning right. it. Is you're not just keeping it for the sake of keeping it packaging. It's something really beautiful to look at, and it's such I, a I, yeah art definitely of getting that toy. I think it really depends what it is. So like something like Death Soros, for example, I could you know I could never imagine parting ways with that packaging because there's something so immense about and and again you know it's not it's not just a monetary thing or whatever. It's probably just like a you know, a kind of very personal uh, 
um, kind of going back to holy, holy grails again a bit, I suppose, you know, when you first get it, I can remember, you know, the kind of care of like sliding out the styrofoam from, from inside the cardboard, you know, and, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, and, and like going over all the little kind of manuals and whatever else, and just taking a lot of pleasure in that really. And I still have that same vibe looking at that packaging, you know, some of that, um, you know, victory stuff or whatever, uh, but you know, I would love to keep all like boxes for Target Masters, Power Masters, all of that stuff as well because I do love that packaging. But ultimately, you, you can't keep it all right. <laughs> Sacrifices have to be made. No, and I do find myself doing what Liam was describing earlier and actively looking for loose but unused mm-hmm. samples, which is a very hard niche to to <laughs> find toys in. But every now and then, when I do find one, it's like. That is perfect for me. And I, and I found it with a rec guy recently. There was a, a seller in the US who, back in his childhood, him and his brother lived near a shop that sold Transformers loose because their packaging had been vandalized. So maybe a kid had stolen an accessory out of a packet or something like that, or stolen one cassette out of a double cassette pack, and the other cassette was you know no longer sellable. So this store was just doing them at discount and him and his brother bought loads of these toys and they kept them in storage since the 80s so every now and then he lists things and i got um an override from him and i got a rec gar from him and i think also windsweeper and these toys were completely unused had the sticker sheets but no packaging it took that decision away from me for what to do with it and i just thought perfect i don't even have to worry about unsealing a toy because you know, contrary to popular belief, I actually don't enjoy unsealing vintage toys. Yeah, sure. I think that that's a big part of it as well. Like when you come across sealed vintage, there is that sort of element in the back of your mind. Like you're, I don't know, you're almost like spoiling something, aren't you? Even though they're meant to be open in the first place, there's still there's such a finite amount of those left, aren't they? You almost feel like you are just kind of it's removing the, one of the last bits of history. It's a fact. You are reducing the number of specimens in that preserved condition historically maybe that is significant and and i understand why people have a problem with that but i certainly justified it to myself and maybe not so successfully to others by saying i was on this quest to have the most perfect loose perfectly stickers applied collection of sometimes bread and butter g1 toys because it's actually harder to find loose perfect stickers applied examples than it is to find sealed examples of some toys like you, you could spend your lifetime trying to look for an octane that's been opened doesn't have chromeware and has perfect stickers you just will never find that that said there are and we've talked about it before but there are g1 toys that you can get sealed and you open them and they're right they're screwed in the box you know they're just yeah. like they're sealed my shockwave. for Goodness. 35 years and it's you know no good yeah. yep my shockwave out of a sealed styro never touched since 1985 it had collapsing leg syndrome and the the cable the the hose is just cracked and it's just like every single, it's basically shockwave bingo. You know, it's the QC bingo. Yeah. Yep, it's got that problem. Yep, it's got that problem. It's never been handled before. But then my That's luck with shockwave, you know. Yeah, it's just so disappointing. I mean, I had a, I told you about it, Mez. I had a G1 fizzle, which I actually got on sealed card. And um, because purely because, I wasn't looking for a sealed one, but purely because there was one I found very cheap. And yeah, I thought, you know, these are, those uh, sparkle butts are very, very hard to find uh, loose because of, you know, they're so worn and the little mechanism is bust. And, or even if it's not broken, you know, it's just been used so many times that it just looks terrible. Like they look really battered. 
So I thought, okay, well, you know, this is worth a worth a punt for the price of it. Uh, anyway, got it off the card, you know, very careful, all of that. Uh, first transformation, it broke. Genuinely, the the little hood just cracked straight away, and it, you know, I was careful with it, and as you would be. But uh, you know, it, it was a small thing; it's a cheap thing, but still, I was kind of like, oh. Gutted. This toy's been sat sealed on the card for thirty-five years. I've opened it and then knackered it straight away. So, good job. Uh, so it's yeah. ruined history. That's what it is. I know. I and you're sure it wasn't my fault? <laughs> uh, I, I was trying to think of a way to blame you for it. Like I, I think maybe you just had I don't know vibes in the air or something. But you were just thinking know. of me at the time, and you ripped that thing. Probably, off. probably. Yeah. Felt yeah, a disturbance yeah. in the mass force. Is that what it was? <laughs> Quite, quite possibly, yeah. It's good that you bring that up, actually, Sixo, because I saw, I remember selling you one of the the Decepticon Spark toys, which I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. Um, and I sold it to you because it was, yeah, even though the card was battered, I couldn't bring myself to open it. So I sold it to you, didn't I? You did. I've still got it. It's in very, yeah, I love it. I've got all three of them, uh, you know, very good condition. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah. And so I don't have one now, <laughs> but rather than open it, I just it was just easier to take that decision out of my own hands. I did the same thing yeah. with a box Snapdragon I had and it still had the bubble and it was still in the bubble and it was beautiful but I could I couldn't bring myself to have it on the shelf but not in the box. And I was get, I, I just didn't get enjoyment from it because I wouldn't pick it up and play with it because it's in the box and I didn't want to take it out and so I sold it rather than have to keep looking at it because you, you then start to feel a sense of disappointment about something that you should really love. Mm. That's another thing. The things you buy, the condition you buy them in, almost have more of an influence over you than you thought you could have over the item that you've bought. So the kind of things that we buy for our collection can almost dictate our display. For example, I I bought a Target Master Scourge box off Sixo, and it's absolutely gorgeous. All of my G1 boxes are in storage in that fantastic tetris style that you can't quite get right because not all of them are the same size thank you so much for that yeah g1 book boxes are the worst for this well there you go but that's where they all live except this target master scourge box because this box means the world to me i should have charged uh, you more for it you really should have you you let me get away with that big time and i can't remember what it was it was ridiculously low mate it really was i think scourge accessories cost more and that is such a special box that I've forced it into my display cabinet. So it's the only box in there. Actually, I tell a lie. There's another Scourge box in there as well. And why is that in there? Because it has the bubble and the Scourge is in it. And so it looks so good. <laughs> I can't bring myself to take it out of it. Yeah, it's a theme that's developed because I had that Scourge. And then the Target Master box arrives. I'm like, yeah, if I've got one of them in there, I should probably have the other one. And then that no, starts yeah. to influence how I display because so you're the, Liam, the one man in the world with the box collection of sweeps, basically. Liam, you've That's... got him started on it now. This is, <laughs> this is the rest of the episode now. This is, we're not going anywhere for a little while. <laughs> Settle in. Right then, moving on. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the effects of our displaying and storing on other members of the people, other members of our household, the people that we live with. I really felt guilty about all the toy packaging I had in storage and then all the actual toys I had in storage. And it was a very difficult decision at the time that I don't regret in the slightest. I decided to just ditch all of the modern packaging I had. And then eventually I cut down all the modern toys I had as well, just because I thought I can't have an entire toy line in storage. I'm not enjoying it. It's not fulfilling its purpose. And I realized that I was taking up storage space that we could have used for my daughter's things it was maybe influencing 
my wife, maybe she didn't buy as much stuff for herself or for the home that she wanted to because she knew that there would be a storage dilemma and she knows how much the toys mean to me as well. So at some point, I just made the decision that I'm going to try and have as little effect on the rest of the people I live with, with the way I display toys and the way I store them. Does that ever cross your minds? Uh, yeah, it definitely does here, for sure. I mean, I think that's very pertinent. I think it's easy to kind of take over with a hobby like this a little bit. Do you know what I mean? If you let it anyway, because uh, as we've already sort of said, you know, they're, they're sizable things. They can take up a lot, a lot of space. And I think you can it can just run rampant. You know, if it's kind of left unchecked, uh, you know, this stuff would take over your home and whatever else. So it's it's definitely a consideration for me, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, when you live with other people, you've absolutely got to consider them and, um, you know, kind of make sure that they've got their space as well. Uh, my wife is not someone that kind of necessarily, uh, you know, would um complained you know but at the same time like i'm very conscious of making sure that it doesn't encroach do you know what i mean and just try, kind of taking that consideration i suppose so yeah I, I can absolutely identify with what you're saying encroach is the word isn't it that's yeah. such a such a pertinent word encroach because it, you know even if i don't know even if let's say i did take up more room and she didn't i don't know complain about it or whatever i would still feel that's that's not a, a something that a feeling that i want do you know what i mean of like of just this stuff being absolutely everywhere and and just not feeling good about that. So, yeah, I think you you have to keep it in check for sure. It's good to have the limit, isn't it, that line in the sand as well, because yeah. once once it does start encroaching, when does it stop? It's always like, oh, just one more or something, isn't it? And it just can keep growing and growing. It's, it's like with me, I just know everything's coming in this room. And so if it doesn't fit in this room, it just it goes in the other spare room. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you have free reign in... Not sorry, free reign. That, that's it's not about free will or decisions. But does it at all cross your mind that the room you're in with your toys and the things that end up in there, does it need to hold a particular standard versus the rest of your home? For example, I know that every now and then, you know, my wife will come into this room and we'll sit and we'll talk together. You know, she'll chill out in here, and she's often complained that. I don't have a pester chair where she can come and sit in here and pester me if I'm spending maybe some time on my computer or just, you know, doing something online. And uh, therefore, I kind of want it to feel like a room in the home which can be entered and enjoyed and time spent in here and not have to worry that I've got a ton of stuff on the floor or, or in display that I'm worried is going to get damaged as a result of time being spent here by someone who isn't me and is aware of everything's weak point or anything like that. Uh, no, not at all. Not for me. This room is... <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. no. <laughs> yeah. This room well, here is just... It's its not a dumping ground as such. That's the wrong way to put it. It's just where all my stuff goes, you know, because I've got my desk in here, the computer, it's where all my photography stuff is. So it's basically just where I come in. And so the shelves, like I say, are mostly there for storage and for me to get stuff, but everything is in here. I did once bring a little chair in here for other people, but it was mainly for the dog. That was it. And then once the dog didn't use it, the chair went. So, <laughs> But other people don't really come in here other than like when they visit for, we have parties or whatever in the old times. But um, they mostly just look around in awe and then I just sort of shuffle them back out. <laughs> Time to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I have so much just stuff just all over the floor because there's nowhere else for it to go because our house isn't, it's not tiny, but it's not big. So there's not that much storage for other stuff, you know, like books or boxes of things so they tend to just come in here <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It's. It, I don't know. I think uh, I certainly try and keep it tidy. It only really gets a bit messy if it's like photo projects and stuff like that going on, you know, um, which I know it sounds mad, but I'm sure you both appreciate, you know, if you're kind of doing multiple kind of reviews or whatever, you know, you, you do take things out of cupboard, cupboards, etc., put them back. So, you know, there's a bit of tidying up to be done then. But yeah, no, try and keep it tidy. It's, uh, it's not exactly as I want it right now, just because actually I've recently moved rooms. We had a big reshuffle in the house. So this is actually my son's old room that he had had since he was born. Uh, and then he's now gone to a different room, which is, you know, a bit bigger because um, he, you know, needs more space himself. So that was quite a process, <laughs> actually kind of re, you know, moving everything, you know, new cupboards, etc. Can um, relate. Oh, yeah. it was surprising amount of work. Surprising. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of scary as well. It does make you evaluate everything that you oh, have. Moving um, a collection is yeah. the absolute best wake-up call oh, yeah. for how much stuff you have. It's quite frightening, really. I mean, stuff that just sort of compacts away. And, you know, we talk about putting stuff in storage versus in displays, but actually you can have stuff in a display. And not so much right. that you forget about it, but it's, you know, if it sits at the back of a cupboard or whatever and you you rarely kind of look at it then you can forget about it quite easily <laughs> let's put it oh, that way and it, it is quite something to realize how many toys fit into a detolf cabinet yeah and when you empty them all out onto one surface you realize just how much stuff you have yeah definitely so uh, yeah i think right now where i'm at is that i i have a, a bit of downsizing that i probably need to do um and so you know i have a a, a small sales pile let's say it's not that small, but you know that I need to crack on with that a little bit. So yeah, the aim is absolutely to have it as a bit more of a communal room. You know, so there's room in here for for my wife to do yoga and stuff like that. We do have a bit of a, a desk and a kind of you know filing cabinet and stuff in here as well. So yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's kind of the goal. Um, it's just a bit of a work in progress currently. I wanted to ask something. Have you guys ever had a situation where either because of moving or digging something out of toy storage or just, you know, messing with your collection, you notice something that you'd put away that you had forgotten you'd owned? And is that always a positive experience where you think, oh, that's so cool. I totally forgotten I had this thing. Or is it something that reminds you that you have maybe gotten to the point where if you've got things that you're no longer aware of, but then they surprise you that you've got them, and you were doing fine without knowing you had it. Does it maybe think make you think that, well, should I really have it then if if it's not on my mind and out of sight, out of mind, why do I have it in the first place? Do these kind of thoughts ever cross your mind? Uh not so much, to be honest. I don't know. I don't tend to forget so much that I have stuff, despite what I said before. I I suppose if I sort of sat and thought about it, I would have a good handle on everything that's in the collection uh the, the bits i do forget sometimes are the bits that i haven't yet sold you know so you you put to one side in a sales pile um and then think okay i need to sell that and then you know you come back to it like a couple of weeks or a month later and you're like oh man i haven't done it yet you know and you kind of that's the bit sometimes uh you know you kind of think what have i sold and not sold yet um but no the actual stuff in the collection i don't think so no I, i'm able to kind of keep a mental note of it at least yeah whereas with mine it's all I do find that quite a lot where I'll find something in the storage tub and I'm like, oh, I completely forgot I own this. But then it's normally followed up with, I can sell this <laughs> because I have no, I don't keep anything that I really like in the storage tubs. It's normally stuff where I've got like doubles of. So the other, a couple of months ago, I found a couple of Thundercats that I completely forgot 
had bought years and years and years ago. And um, when they were like £1.99 in the entertainer, so I must have just bought loads. And so they were quite... It's always stuff like that. It's stuff I completely forgot I had. And so it can just go in the sales pile. Do you think maybe it helps as well? Like, again, I kind of came to this point earlier, but like, you know, the kind of focus of, of collecting and what have you, because, I mean, you mentioned Thundercats, you know, Maz, you've mentioned Mask and, and Macross and stuff like that, but I don't have any of that. You know, I've just got Transformers. But even then, you know, I would say that uh, but until recently it has it has muddied a little bit in recent times you know with some uh, kind of beast era stuff and things like that but typically you know it's a lot of g1 and masterpiece and third party and that still at the kind of core of it you know there is rid and there is things like that as well but i you know i don't i don't have stuff like for example vinyl tech you know and i know i don't so i suppose that helps me to kind of remember what i do and you know do and don't have there aren't as many surprises in that regard i think with me it's um, it's like what Liam said. It's if I have an extra, or maybe I bought one to upgrade another one, and then I put the the donor one away, or mm. you know, I just the one that was in not so great condition. But I've tried to keep my collection compact and small enough, manageable enough. Manageable is a big thing for me, to the point where I would know immediately that this is an extra, and I'd get on selling it straight away. Yeah, that but, does make sense. That does make sense. But I also think we've circled back to the question of like, if we're having toys in storage and we come across them and think, oh, I found it in storage, forgotten about that, I guess I could sell it. Does that really say something about the toys that ever end up in storage and just the topic of toy storage generally? Like, I suppose it depends should... why you've got the storage though, doesn't it? Like for me, my storage is it's mostly empty boxes of, you know, the masterpiece stuff like that. And so other stuff goes into it just because it's there. But nothing that I like is in there, if you know what I mean. Like nothing the vast majority of my toys are on the shelves like all of the different toy lines they're all there so when you say things you don't like you're still talking about toys that go into those boxes uh not yeah not like uh, not like cutlery or tupperware or (laughs) things like that (laughs) well you know fort max has got a huge box (laughs) i'm just saying i like him not that i have him well if you do ever get a fort max and you like him enough to put him on display just think of all the stuff (laughs) you could put in his box that's very true. Yeah, try getting three of them on display. That's the thing. That's yeah, a hard life, get... isn't it? The first well, one's terrible. Problems. It's terrible, mate. Honestly, you six know. O's woes. <laughs> yeah, six, six O's woes. Yeah, no. That's he's, the thing, he's... though. That is a display decision you've made, and it's a decision yeah. that brings you a lot of pleasure. And therefore, you make other sacrifices in your collection. You say, "Well, I won't yeah. have these then," you know, or "I won't display those." And then maybe you decide they go in storage, or maybe they go on the sales pile. So, you know, you make a decision about what your display is going to look you, like. There has to be an element of prioritizing. And I think that's where, you know, having moved rooms, that's why I'm at a kind of bit of a crunch point at the moment and needing to make a few decisions. Because, you know, it actually, for me, it's not so much the kind of regular size stuff or smaller stuff. It is the big things, you know, it is the it is the Fort Maxes. It's the, you know, third party combiners and stuff like that. It just, you know, they take up, it's the Fans Toys Omega Supreme. They just take up monstrous amounts of room. And you know, do you put stuff like that in a display? That's really difficult because if you are using cabinets of any kind, you know, something like one of those big boys that, I mean, you could probably fit what, I don't know, 30 other toys in the space of, of one of those or something, depending on what it is and, you know, equivalent space and how many shelves and whatever. But it's, it's a big thing, you know, to just have one of those things in a display, let alone several. I do feel like I should go back and, um, 
revise that comment about having nothing I like in tubs because I've just looked around and I realised there's a storage tub just that's absolutely packed full of Centurions and Starcom and Manta Force and Ninja Turtle stuff and they're all just kind of squished looking at me and it's purely because I've got no other space for them. That's it again though, isn't it? You're not going to get rid of those just because they're not on display because you like the idea of having them. Yeah, they're definitely in there as a temporary measure because until I can figure out or make space for them to come back out really. Do you think maybe that's it sometimes is that you don't have the answer right now so it's like at some point i might but so i'll put them in some sort of temporary storage or whatever you know i don't want to sell them and i don't want to not have them but at the same time i don't have anywhere to put them currently and yeah. it, it's i don't know like what you were saying about titan's return and things like that Maz, was that you sort of realized by having them in display, they were kind of out of sight, out of mind, and that maybe, you know, in your brain, you were like, okay, I don't need these anymore. Whereas there there would be, surely, things that you might have to store in some way for some hypothetical, you know, solution or day in the future that you wouldn't want to get rid of. I mean, for example, if it came to it and some of your vintage stuff had to move out, you know, one of those cabinets and you had to store it, would that be a different decision? I'd I'd sell them. I think. You think? I am having this exact tug of war emotionally with pretenders right now, right? Because I love those pretenders. I think they look so good on display, and part of me wants to buy the rest of them that I don't have because I think I'd really enjoy that. At the same time, I see how much space they take up the way I want to display them. For example, I have five pretenders on display on one. Uh, Detolf shelf and the way I like to display them is I've got the shell and I've got the inner robot outside the shell right in front of it and they both hold an accessory and and I love the way they look that way that's exactly how I've got mine on the shelf exactly yeah it it works for me and and I've even done that with Catilla so Catilla's shell is there and then the inner inner beast is right there as well the inner beast the inner beast yeah in one corner I've got uh, Grimlock and then Landmine Wave Rider and Cloud Burst can I just say Cloudburst is such a cool name for a toy? And I'd love to get more, but I'd have to display them that way. In fact, Road Grabber is the only other one I have, and he's gone oh, up on top of the display next to Mask Switchblade. And my brain qualified that because it looks like a Mask toy. And I was like, yeah, this will totally fit here. And I want more, but I'm not going to buy more because if I buy more, I'll have no more display space for the things like a G1 Springer. See, this is this is where we differ because I'm looking at my pretenders now, and first things first, they're all in the shells. So that's like step number one: they got to go in the shells. Uh, uh, you know, any combiners, they got to be combined. Uh, you know, make more space. And then the pretenders are, are sort of, you know, they're, they're they're stood in like little military ranks or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it's the same with all of them. But I do that that sort of, I suppose, those compromises. Not that they're really compromises, but those measures i suppose are things that i would do to make space for more yeah but i do see that as a compromise i'm compromising how i want to display them in order to have more things on display so it's Mm. it's a paradox i am sacrificing my display desires to have more things on display because i want to display more things so you say measures, but it, it just sounds like a compromise to me. I, I don't know what the difference is. At the end of the day, I think it depends what you prioritize again, doesn't it? You know, is it having more toys or is it having a nice display? And I think for me, you know, as much as having a, a nice display is good, I want more toys. You know, <laughs> I think if I'm yeah. being honest with myself and my brain, then that that probably comes top for me. So those 
uh, compromises. Yeah, f- fine to call it that. I guess they are. Um, you know, is it those... more of a balance, would you say, rather than a compromise? But there's, there's a balance to strike, isn't there? Yeah, uh, my display isn't perfect. I, I may be saying these things, but I certainly haven't achieved that display f- perfection that I'm talking about. I have got every single 1985 and 1984 Autobot car rammed into the same <laughs> shelf on that Detolf. But I think that's interesting in itself because maybe it depends on what you're trying to achieve with your display, which kind of, you know, we did touch on earlier. But for example, there are collectors out there who have some of the craziest displays I think I could imagine. You know, I mean, there are people that have just, you know, shelves, billy bookcases, whatever, just filled with toys, of course. And that's probably more more normal in a way. But there are people that have like, you know, dioramas and they have ultra displays and lighting and all kinds of clobber, you know, and it looks amazing. And I'm in awe of that stuff. But genuinely, I kind of, every time I see it, I'm like, where does it go? Either that or you have like 12 toys, you know, and that's, again, that's probably kind of bringing us back to what we're saying is that you either limit the amount of stuff you have, uh, you know, so that you can display it in a, a super meaningful and cool way, or you just kind of accept that compromises have to be made and, you know, you just kind of, whether it's just cramming it in or it's things like only displaying combiners in combined mode and stuff like that, um, which to, to me is not a big compromise. Like, I like seeing them in combined mode. It's the uh, same. I do so, the same. You know, exactly. Yeah. So that's it's not the only way comp- to really display them, isn't it? Because that's it feels like the point more than anything else, I think. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's like the culmination of those sets in some ways, isn't it? So it's their final um, form. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it, it really kind of, dis- I guess it depends what you're trying to get out of your display as well, you know, what's the purpose of it? And it kind of brings us back, as I was saying, to that initial discussion of like, is it more for practicality because you want to have access to this stuff but not have it look, you know, like terrible on the shelf? Or is it that you just want it, you know, kind of behind glass looking pretty to never be touched ever again? Uh, Why can't it be both? Why can't it look pretty behind glass, be easy to access, and you touch them regularly and enjoy them, but then when you're not, they go back in the glass and they look pretty? I'm sure it can. I wasn't saying, okay, I guess I was saying, but I (laughs) I didn't necessarily mean that. (laughs) I guess I was saying that. But I guess I didn't think in my head that it doesn't mean you can never touch them. It's just that you know some people prioritize the look of the display much, much, much more, I suppose, is is where where I'm coming to. And they would have in mind... The display is the end goal. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Um, And, you know, so, I mean, for example, uh, the people that have multiple modes, you know, they have several toys to have it in every single mode, that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, that's really impressive. That's not for me, but that's very, it's a big dedication. You know, you see a lot of that with Masterpiece, uh, particularly, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, you do see some of it with Generation One, less so because of the nature of collecting G One and stuff like that. But it's becoming more prevalent because of one yeah. particular collector whose display uh, became quite public. Um, he then influenced a number of other collectors who had got to the point where they had completed G One. Yeah. So they thought, well, this would be an interesting challenge, and then they started to do buy it again. Multiples, yeah. I have such mixed feelings about this sort of collecting for G1. I love how it looks. And the early catalogs are hugely influential in why people do that. And I know that I tried to do it with a couple of toys I really liked. But I would try to do it just with that toy. But then maybe I'm being hypocritical by saying to people who do it with every single toy, 
hey, every time you choose to do that with a six shot or a quick switch, you're taking six to seven toys off the market and you're almost yeah. a level of hoarding. Uh, but that is their choice, you know. It's sometimes yeah. with super rare toys, you know, like if you do it with a, with a Diaclone, you think, well, that, that's actually like two people whose collection now can't be finished. But again, you know, they, they will say that it's a, you know, it's a free market. You, you it have is a free market. the freedom to yeah. buy the things that you want, display them how you want, and nobody should really be telling us, don't do that. It's not for anyone to look at that collection and say, I'm judging you and you shouldn't do it that way. Yeah, I, I think I think in this hobby, the minute you look at the way other people collect and start judging it in any way, I think that's that's not a good road to go down. Do you know what I mean? I think it's uh, it's a deeply personal thing, isn't it? It's- yeah, exactly. Every every display is different. Every collection is different. It's all, as you said, Liam, very very personal. Uh, and I don't think you can judge people. You can, you know, disagree with what what people do in the sense of you can look at it and think, well, that's not what I would do, but you know, it's, that's not passing judgment in the same way, you know? And uh, yeah, I, I think that multiple collecting for all the different modes to me, it seems a bit mad, but that's just me. You know, I can't imagine doing that. I can see the appeal in a funny kind of way though. I do like the way it looks in a display. I do definitely having seen it i do like the way it looks i also like the way that people sometimes have like the g1 toy and the masterpiece toy kind of you know of each character i think that's very cool uh, again i can't imagine doing it because of the space involved um, but there are some fantastic displays that look like that i think they look really really cool uh the, the bit that you just said about having six six shots that to me is like i i can't well, seven <laughs> I can't. if you're gonna go for a packaged version as well um, oh, and yeah, a number of people, people who collect this way will will do right. the packaged version too. They, they get it's got bo- a, yeah, in the box. Yeah, it's got a gorgeous museum quality to it. And I yes. love that there are collections like that that you can look at. And I and I imagine it only really bothers me when I can't find a completely white jazz for my collection. And I'm thinking, well, that dude's got three. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm sure that's the source of my frustration more than anything. They're a superior collector. Everyone's a superior collector to me. <laughs> I, just, I just want lobsters. Yeah. Which I can't get. You <laughs> oh, never think that Bisque would be a hard to. Anyway, moving on. Have you got him in all of his different modes? Is there... No. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> it's three steps, Liam. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> One for each step. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think that you can look at someone's display, though, and admire it and think, wow, that's incredible, but not want it for yourself. You know, you did that. You're never ever going to be able to always replicate that or whatever, and you know it's a question of resources and and whatever as well, isn't there? Uh, I mean, for me, buying multiples would mean not having other stuff, of course. So straight straight away, that's out. <laughs> it's a bit of an indulgence, more, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two vintage G1 hot rods, and we've both done that with toes. Studio Series hot rod, haven't we? exactly well yeah i have this reputation for being so careful with my toys that i made absolutely sure i bought a second one in in a box but i don't want to scuff the leg stickers on my g1 hot rod that i use for photography because Mm. i want that to look perfect as a robot so i've got one that i can transform back and forth as well as reissues but like you said if you go down the multiple route it means sacrificing other things and i have multiple g1 hot rods vintage ones but as a result, I don't own other particular G1 toys because of the space this takes up, the right. finances I've had to sink into having these particular ones. It's always a compromise. Well, and I guess you have to think that it is all relative as well because some people listening to this 
may know, for example, that I have a few MP10s, uh, you know, of different color and variety. And, uh, you know, to, to some people, that's going to be mad because they're going to look at that and think, well, all right, it's a different color. You know, one's red, one's blue, one's whatever. But ultimately, it's the same, you know, it's the same mold. So it's the same toy. And and people definitely do think of think of that sometimes. I know plenty of people that will buy one of each mold. Uh, and, I, and I always kind of think, you know, fair enough. I don't know how they necessarily get around the Ironhide and Ratchet thing and stuff like that. I mean, they, they ultimately just pick the one that they like the most, I think, is is the, the, the feedback that I've heard a lot of the time. But Do you think that's to also... ex- just to experience the mold, though, more than... Yeah, Maybe 100%. that's the appeal of the toy, isn't it? Just experience the mold once rather than the character or a connection to anything like that. Uh, or you get definitely... character collectors, too. People yeah. who just want the character, and it doesn't matter what do. line they come from. Yeah, or well, if they we, transform. We... Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, literally. Well, that's a big thing. You get a lot of Bumblebee collectors, a lot of Optimus Prime collectors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all kinds of characters, really. Hot Rod probably as well, I would imagine. Uh, has, you know, Yeah, 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 definitely. And and I do think that's fun, actually, because I do think, it's, again, it's, I was going to say it's not for me. I, I suppose I happen to have a number of these, uh, you know, different characters from different generations or whatever. But I do like seeing them together. You know, there is a thing about, like, a load of Optimuses kind of optimize all kind of lined up that it is it is fun to see i mean we know someone uh, obviously don't we that has a lot of optimus primes um uh in uh, in their house and it, and it is a fun display uh, to see uh you know i think i i can see the appeal in it quite a bit actually uh, even though i would feel you know i'm kind of missing out because then i want a prowl or a star scream or whatever as well but uh, it's. I suppose for me, I, I also find it interesting when people are dead set on only one mold, only one version of each mold, um, and I think that's an interesting choice because sometimes that is for display and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I think I I broke any chance of me only being a one mold person by having so many Decepticon strike planes as a kid. Well, that would be it. You yeah. you would only have. I mean, you you would have to pick one. And that would be the rule. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's when the compromise began. Instead of going and buying a sound wave, I was like, no, I'll just take this same toy in blue because that's where my enjoyment will come from. Maybe because I like the character or whatever, but you know, yeah. the, I, I realized those compromises and decisions were being made. You know, Because as a kid, you, you can't just buy endlessly. You, In my case, I was going to the toy store at these particular intervals and I knew that this was my opportunity to have another Transformer. I knew I was never going to have them all and I was you know, very clearly limited by what my parents would buy me. So on that occasion where I got to choose a toy, this exact compromise and this exact um, decision would come up. Am I going to buy the same thing that I know I like or should I get something else? But then I'll miss out on that character. So that, you know, that was bred into me pretty young and as far as my toy gathering is concerned. It's a funny thing how powerful like the, the character is for that because like with the, the G1 Seekers and stuff, even though I knew they were the same mold, I never viewed them as the same mold, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like right. Thundercracker and Starscream, I viewed them yeah. as separate, different toys, even though they're different colors of each other. But it's because of the characters in the cartoon and the comics. Absolutely. And- yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people really prioritize the character thing. I mean, I know tons of mm-hmm. people, like when MP Star Saber came out, a lot of people were like, well, I, I don't know the character, so I'm not interested. And, it, and you mm-hmm. could tell them this is an amazing toy till you're blue in the face, but they would have zero interest purely because they don't know the character you know they don't know victory or whatever but um but yeah it, it is a weird one i suppose that's why i mentioned ironhide and ratchet is because to me they're both you know kind of some of the more defined early autobot characters you know so 
naturally you would want them both, right? But people do make a choice. They do think, okay, I only want one of that mold, whether it's War for Cybertron or whatever, and and I will choose one of them or t'other. And uh, I, I find that interesting. Uh, equally, we know at least one person who uh, their display is made up of only one toy for each character name across generations. With no repeated molds. Yeah, no repeated molds. There are there are rules, aren't there? There are numerous rules for this particular person. I love uh, that, Lou. I, I, yeah, I think it's, I, cool. it's an amazing way to do it. It really yeah. is. I've really enjoyed imposing conditions on my own collecting. You know, because it limits how much I spend, it limits how much space I take up. But I love being able to look at a toy and think that's not the thing that I want. And, you know, or, or the feeling is there that I want it, but it doesn't fit into the conditions that I've set. So I'm going to pass. And that's, in a way, that's quite liberating to give yourself the opportunity yeah. to pass and say, not this time, no thanks. I, I, I do know what you mean. It is, th- there's also a satisfaction to having something that feels kind of cohesive and you know, to, to, uh, kind of meaningful as well. So yeah, I, I, can, uh, I can jam with that. I can uh, appreciate what you're saying. Uh, I think it's really interesting. But you know, equally, some people just kind of collect with gay abandon and they're just, you know, they don't worry about this stuff and they're perfectly happy as well. You know, um, they're, not, they're not fussed about, you know, toys fitting in in a particular display. They're not fussed about what line it is, whatever it is. They just kind of go for it. You know, they like a toy, they buy it. It's that simple. Yeah, and I, I really admire how free and fun-based their collecting is. You know, it, it's not restrained by any self-imposed parameters. I, I think it works for me, but I, I like that it doesn't work for others. And, you know, yeah. it's Again, always it's nice to see It's a very personal people. thing, isn't it? Again, it's very personal. Totally. Yeah. And unique. I, I just think, toy displays are the absolute what's the word for it it is fundamentally the most personal aspect of this collecting almost yes yeah yeah definitely definitely i think that's what makes it so fun is because it's so unique to each collector you know everybody's different there's and and equally this is probably worth mentioning that it's never not fun to see how other people display their toys as well you know like every collector wants to get a look at someone else's collection uh you know there's a reason that threads about collection pics are so popular uh you know and you can post a picture i know i can post a picture of a of a shelf or whatever and people love it you know they just love to see that because it's it appeals to the collector in all of us even if it's not kind of fitting you know, your parameters for how you would collect and how you would display them, it's still admirable to see it, you know? And I guess that's why I like seeing some of the museum stuff. It's why I also like seeing how people just kind of go crazy with it and just, you know, whatever. It's just fun to see. That's a good segue into the next subject of actual display mechanics and what kind of things do you do to display your toys. For example, I use clear risers. I really love that, you know, on eBay, you can get these Perspex risers. And I went to a model shop and they were clearing out all their stock. They had uh, a bunch of risers that were totally clear, lovely size, perfect for a Detolf. In fact, they were displayed in a Detolf. And I I took those and they're just perfect for layering a Detolf shelf. And not necessarily because I can squeeze things under them, but because... Um, it just allows the toys which are further back to be elevated that tiny amount. And if I had more risers, I think I would use them on every single shelf because uh, they're integral to my own display. And people see that and they ask me, where did you buy those? So getting ideas from other people's collections is 
is a, is an awesome thing too. Yeah, I would agree with that. I actually don't have any risers, and I keep thinking about it as like a, a possibility, um, you know, to or like shelf splitters or whatever they're called as well to mm-hmm. to try and sort of maximize uh, a little bit. I I had a, a thing for a little while where I had uh, RID Brave Maximus, and then kind of nothing of equivalent height to stand next to him. So I was like, okay, so how do I get almost like a kind of like a level or something to kind of have two two things, you know, one above the other. Um, so yeah, I'm still working on that. But yeah, the, the, there is a lot of that that can kind of definitely enhance how things look for sure. I've got to give a shout out to Dom here, Dom Salvia in the UK. He had this amazing idea of using a, a Perspex riser and just hooking it onto the Detel shelf above so that it sort of created a shelf at the back of the display and he would line up mini bots on that shelf and they would just sit on the shelf below but really really high up cleared from anything that was already on the base of that shelf and i just thought that was a brilliant idea and if i had more of those types of risers i could see myself having a shelf of autobot cars a nice amount of negative empty space height wise because those toys are pretty short and then I just have like a row of minibots, or maybe just one or two in car mode, which are perfectly suspended from the shelf above, again, using Perspex, which fits in with the glass shelves. I always thought that was a really cool idea. So do we not that consider cool. Op- Optimus Prime's trailer as a riser then? That is, <laughs> that is a subject, and I have that written down as a question. Prime's trailer, store or display? Display. Store. Store for me as well. Do you well. display it? Do you display it? Yeah, it's like one of the best looking things in Transformers, isn't it? It's just this, it's a beautiful piece to have. And like, even though most of mine isn't for the purpose of display as such, it's something when people see it straight away, their eyes always go straight to it. It's one of the first things that anybody picks up on instantly. And it's just this wonderfully nostalgic thing that is so different to like a wall of robots. I find that with Prime's trailer, though, if you just put it on a shelf, the front of the trailer it just sits a bit lower than the rear and it's only when you swing out those supports that the whole thing is level and then if i start putting toys on top of it it's no you know it's like this um lopsided display shelf it's it's no longer keeping everything level i just can't sleep that way <laughs> <laughs> you get the spirit level the- out. that's not right this i have the tiny spirit level <laughs> for this exact purpose of course you do <laughs> blue tat optimus prime's trailer Oh my god! I think, as you maybe know, I have a drawer of of prime trailers um, because that's just you know the kind of craziness that goes on around here. Uh, but yeah, I think it's because it's it's nice to kind of display one of them. I can see that in theory. Like in my display, I do have stuff like Thunder Clash's trailer, and I do have uh, you know Laser Prime's trailer, stuff like that. But you know, when you get like Masterpiece, for example. You know, when you've got all of the MP10s and all of their trailers, you're not going to put all of those on display. I have every single one I've got is on display somewhere. So I've got the G1, MP10, uh, Earthrise, and they're all at the back of the shelf of whatever display they're in. And well, with other toys standing on top of them. <laughs> Do you know, now thinking about Prime's trailer and how I've utilized that thing in my photography, always standing up, Diaclone style yeah. with the repair bay, makes me wonder, well, why didn't I just do that? I'm just thinking now why I don't. What, have it on display as the repair bay? Yeah, I, I, that's just, yeah, I actually never thought of having my display like that. And I think ever since the, the new Takara Tomy Diaclone toys went out of my collection, I stopped thinking along those lines of this 
uh, mechanized bay that would be where I displayed the toys. I mean, that's what I ultimately wanted to do with those Diaclone toys before I realized how wildly out of hand the number of releases were getting and how I would never be able to display it the way I wanted. But yeah, Prime's trailer could easily be displayed standing up. More on that later. The Transformers will return after these messages. So I thought we could talk a little bit about our own preferred options for display. I mean, obviously we've talked about how we how we set the toys out. You know, do we put them all on one shelf? Do we have them in different modes? What do we do with Prime's trailer? But in terms of the actual physical places that you put your toys, I mean, I have five Detolf cabinets. And on top of those cabinets, I have tried to keep things quite sensible. But it is a surface, a, a cabinet top that I'm using for display. I have a tub, which has a lot of my G1 packaging in it. That's a slide-out tub that keeps them out of sight and protected. But also there's a surface there, which I use for Lego. And I have one Lego shelf. But uh, what do you guys do with your, you know, what kind of, do you have cabinets? Um, I don't. I just have normal cheap Argos shelves. So, uh, yeah, no cabinets, no fancy over here. Do you use other surfaces to display toys or is it just everything is in those shelves? No, no, no. Uh, everything in this room, every surface is covered in toys. Like this desk has just got piles of them because there's nowhere else for them to go. The floor is covered in them. The table I use for my photography underneath are boxes of toys. <laughs> and there are storage tubs everywhere because it's all got like um, photography scenery and stuff like that. There's just boxes of storage and accessories and things like that. They're all, there's lots of storage about here. Yeah, I, I have um, I have cupboards with uh, doors. They are, I'm trying to remember which ones they are now from Ikea. Um, they are, Is I it a cupboard Billy? if it doesn't have a door? Uh, I guess then it's just shelves, but these have doors. So, but these are just standard IKEA shelves, but with doors. That's all, and and they look. Uh, you can get some nice options actually from IKEA. I mean, IKEA, IKEA for a lot of collectors, I think, are kind of a go-to, aren't they? I mean, not just the details. Um, I, I haven't actually is... called it IKEA for a couple of years now. Living here, it? it's now become IKEA. 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 I think it's become home. Yeah, yeah. I, I do anything to stay away from that place as I can. Good, good meatballs though. To be fair, but uh, not here. No? Vegan hot dogs. No, I, I used to enjoy IKEA meatballs in the UK, but I didn't enjoy them here. Hmm. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, like, anyway, like IKEA. Wow. <laughs> Certainly, going to IKEA is not anybody's idea of fun, is it? Really, but you know, the, some of the some of the products and stuff organized like, hell. All right. Yeah, uh, but certainly the the actual standard cabinets and stuff that they have, uh, I think anyway, look really really good. I mean, certainly when I got these ones that I've got now and posted a few pics online, you know, they got a really positive response. A lot of people saying, "Where'd you get them?" Uh, I do think that the doors elevates them slightly. That's just my personal preference, and of course, it does help with dusting and stuff like that, and you know, kind of keeping them the the you know the content slightly protected. Um, and then I've got uh, another. Uh, you know, the kind of top shelf as well uh, with an extra set of doors. So it just kind of gives you that bit more space, uh, which is really, really good. And I find that you can fit quite a lot in there, actually. Um, so, yeah, they they work for me exceptionally well. How do you dust your toys and how often do you dust them? I very rarely do, to be completely honest. Because of the doors, it honestly never needs it. Um, I mean, sometimes, I mean, you, well, you guys know as well, for photography, dust is a... Uh, and not well. I was going to say a bad word there, but you know what I mean. It's it's terrible because it just shows up 
you know, in, in any kind of and DSLR people want to tell you that they can see it. Yeah, yeah, that's always that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, dust is the bad word. Yeah, dust is the bad word. Dust is a four letter word. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but it it shows up automatically in DSLR photography, uh, and it's super annoying. But actually, with the with the doors, it's not such a big problem to be honest. It's, I I do notice it more if uh, and you can see the difference. Like if I do have a particular toy um, that has been left out for you know however long, I can totally see that it's more dusty than the ones in the cabinet, for example. So I, I think doors are great in that respect. I was told that even with the uh, Detolf cabinets that I have, dust will still make its way in. And while it's a much slower procedure, it is very obvious to me when I moved the cabinets between rooms that you know amounts of dust had gathered. And uh, when I came to dust them, once upon a time, I would dust the toys on top of the cabinet because obviously they would get dusty really fast. Uh, I would use compressed air canisters, which obviously mm. is, is very effective for blowing the dust away. But you know, there's an environmental issue there, and I I am now firmly of the belief because it says so on the canister that it can have a, a reactive effect on plastic. And I reckon that one of my Valkyries on my shelf had no right to discolor because the guys around it haven't. But that's the one that I had used the compressed air gas on. So I think I actually accelerated the yellowing on that toy by using compressed air. So what I That's use for dusting now is a really sensitive makeup brush, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's yeah. perfect, and I used it on every single toy when I moved between rooms, and I just uh, sort of adopted that as a part of my collection maintenance. Sounds really good. You uh, you sound made up about it. Liam, you speak now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maz brushed that one off really well, didn't he? <laughs> I despair. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, do well, you dust your toys? People are turning uh, off now. <laughs> no, uh, I try to, but as I said before, most of mine, uh, so they're crammed together, like they're in the um, in the terraces at like Chelsea away or something. They're all like crammed in, and it's just hard, you know, because you have to sort of keep moving them, and it's like, how do I get them back in there? So a lot of the time, I just kind of leave them and just hope. <laughs> the dust so. is part of the display. Yeah, it adds a vintage quality, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and what do you guys do about protecting your collections from UV light, from yellowing, from sunlight? Is well, it just positioning? I, yeah, partly. At the moment, because we've just moved rooms and everything, I need to get some uh, filters for the window. You know, you can get the the old, um, uh, whatever they're called, the, the kind of UV filtering thing, the, the kind of the seal to go over the glass. Uh, and that'll help immensely. Uh, at the moment, it's more a question of just keeping the blind down uh, whilst I'm sorting that out, uh, so that there's no direct sunlight on it or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's a problem. Yeah, so like here, I have the curtains closed all the time, but the real problem is heat, isn't it? Because that also yes. triggers the yellowing. So in here, I've turned off the radiator because we've got so much insulation. The house is actually quite warm, even in the winter once the heat is on. So if I don't have the radiator here, it's keeps the room a bit cooler but i think it's temperature variance i think it's um wild differing temperatures over a period of time that can also have the effect as well and sometimes Mm. there's a worry of toys being stored and shipped you know over long distances over long periods of time that can trigger it and it's not something that you'd see immediately either it's just it will happen over time yeah because some of the toys i've got in some of those halls they've never been out of a cupboard in 30 years and 
they've gone really yellow, like in certain mm-hmm. size and stuff. And it's just because they've been in a really warm house. And you see it a lot with vintage, like game consoles and stuff, where you'll find stuff that's never been out of the box, but it's, right. it's yellowed inside the box because of just of heat. Yeah. It depends where it's stored. I know yeah. um, there's there's uh, another collector that we know that has had this problem uh, in their living room. Uh, and, you know, a few of their toys, uh, this is the Optimus Prime collection, a few of their toys have, have yellowed because it was near to a little uh, heater. I think it was a gas heater or whatever it was. Um, and, and they swear blind. And it is, you can see that the ones on the end of the shelf nearest to where the heater is are the yellowed ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's happened over a number of years, whatever, um, to the point where a couple of them are quite bad, actually, I think. Um, so, it, yeah, it definitely does affect it. I think keeping them in tubs, actually, as well, someone told me, uh, in plastic yeah. tubs accelerates yeah. it. Plastic baggies as well for accessories yeah. and things like that. Try not yeah, to have yeah. the toys in contact with plastic when they're being uh, stored or anything like that. It's a tricky one. Yeah, because some people use specialist paper, don't they? There's certain types of paper people wrap stuff in to avoid them touching. I can believe that, and sometimes people only handle their toys with with you know special gloves as well. That, that's a thing. That's quite extreme. I think that all of this though really depresses me because <laughs> I hate the idea that you can get yeah. you know like an immaculate collection, uh, not Madonna. I'm not talking about her, but the, you know the, the like an immaculate collection of toys and have them all lined up really really nice, and uh, the, it just yellows. You know, there's nothing. Obviously, there are steps you can take to prevent that and, and diminish it or whatever, but the, it's all finite, really. Do you know what I mean? That a lot of this stuff, it doesn't last forever, you know? Yellowing has become like the the real downside of the hobby to me. And it's not even yes. where my toys have yellowed. It's where I, you know, sometimes you're not sure. Like um, the Armada Jetfire, the, every time I look at it, because it's, it's slightly off-white, and I can never tell if it's yellowed or not. And I don't think it has when I look at pictures comparing. It, it's like, oh, no, it looks fine, and like it was when I got it, but it plays tricks on you after a while doesn't it you just start noticing yeah. slight off-white looks a bit you know it's, it's hideous it's hideous looking for toys that may potentially be yellowed as well but that's a whole other topic mm. but it's it's yeah it kills me honestly i it's the one thing if i could eliminate one thing from the hobby it would be discoloration yeah. on toys for sure and of course with you guys doing your photography and uh, well, all of us we use you know uh, proper photographic lights and, and environments it just shows up so savagely under those lights as well yeah yeah there it are, there are my toys heart with toys like jetfire it really breaks my heart when i look mm. at my jetfire yeah. yellow it's just it's so sad i had an yeah. unused uh matsushiro jetfire boxed uh, a few years ago and it was the most crystal white thing i owned and i sold it before it ever had a chance to get yellow in my hands i just thought i've enjoyed it for a while but i actually felt stress at yeah, how I was storing it because I had to keep it stored in darkness. I had it surrounded with small silica gel packs. In fact, I have silica gel packs on every shelf of every part of my display to absorb moisture. Because it's I think so moisture sad, or- isn't it, that you kind of have to resort to those and it puts you through those stresses and and it feels like such a first world problem. But it is a real stress when you look at when when you have big collections like this. It is a re- really real sort of worry, isn't it? Yeah. Plus, if if it's something you really love, it's going to break yeah. your heart when it goes. Yeah, and so much of this is finding like the perfect version of something you love, isn't it? Like, say, a G1 Jazz, and you get it, and it's beautiful, and you have that, and then there's this idea that it could just suddenly turn when you've done nothing, you absolutely nothing to justify it. Yeah. Well, I, I try to control it as much as possible. I mean, living in Iceland, virtually every building and home here is heated 100% of the time. We have geothermal heating, so it's a lot cheaper here. And because of the climate, generally, heating is on 
all the time, everywhere. So at least I know that by keeping the temperature at something, you know, smart, there's no temperature variance. And because the heating is always on, I tried to remove the temperature variance uh, issue. And I've got the silica gel packs to remove moisture. And I've got blackout blind and the, the curtains are always closed in here. So I, I just do whatever I can. And obviously now I don't use a, a gas cylinder to, to dust things. And I try not to store things in uh, plastic baggies or Ziploc bags and things like that. But again, that's only so much you can control. This is a chemical reaction at the end of the day. It mm. could be batch related. It could be you don't know what history your toy has had before you owned it with vintage. Maybe it already had started the process before you ever got it into your collection and started protecting it. And it's such a weird yeah. thing to, when you talk to other people about it, you know, people who don't collect toys and you sort of, you step back a little bit and you go and they come in your room and you're like, I'm keeping it at a certain temperature. I'm keeping these blackout blinds up and I'm worried about this yellow. And they're sort of looking at you like they're toys, but to us, it's a completely different sort of view on it, isn't it? A very different perspective. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real killer. As I say, I can't stand it. It, 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 it does cause stress for sure. It yeah. definitely does. Um, I think some toys are obviously more notorious for it you know, for yellowing than others. Um, and some toys um, uh, uh, surprised me. Do you know what I mean? I think I mentioned in a previous episode that Masterpiece Star Saber, I'm pretty convinced mine has started to turn. Um, and that disappoints me, you know, because it's a it's not one that you would worry about necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. Could be any of them. Will you replace that toy then? I don't know. I don't know. Tough one. I'm, I'm live with it for now. It's it's a, It's a problem for another day. What about if it was a vintage Star Saber? Would you replace that? That's a good question. My fortunately, my vintage Star Saber is minty white, touch wood, uh, along with stay. I, I would that would be one. If that was to turn, I would be gutted, absolutely gutted, just because of how nice it was and still is, you know, in my care. So yes, that would be a, a, a difficult one. Would I replace it? You'd need to ask me at the time. I don't know. Tough one. I do like having it. I, I think, I guess if it, the only thing I'm thinking right now is if it did go and it was bad, then the idea of finding another one that's like minty white and then having that go bad as well, that would yeah, be. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, the chain. You know, Do you perpetuate the chain or do you just say, this is the one in my collection and that's the way it looks and that's mm. all there is to it? But then, yeah. you know, because we do so much photography, there's that element of. Yeah, but I want the photography to look a certain way. And you know how it is when you post a photo, people notice the smallest things. And, oh, there know. are definitely, yeah, there are, but equally there are toys that when you photograph them, the yellowing shows up more. You know, it's, yep. it, there, are, there are definitely toys that I've not noticed as discolored, but when you get them in front of the lights, you know, which as you say, show everything up. And Slug it's, slinger. It's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 sometimes it's just a slight difference, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. just a slight sort of shade of of discoloration or whatever, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so it it can be a real surprise sometimes. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't show up until you put it next to another one, and then you realise, yeah, it yeah, looks fine yeah, to yeah, your eyes. I mean, equally, there are some toys that maybe discolour and it's fine. And I say that lightly, but you know, there are definitely toys that, like, if they're blue or whatever, and maybe they go like a slight you know, different shade, they still look fine, you know, and it's yeah. not the end of the world. Diaclone so. Blue Blue Streak is a perfect example of that. 90% of them have discolored blue plastic where it's gone a slight tinge of green. And, uh, you know, I think some people just believe that's the way the natural color of the toy is, but it isn't. Uh, but so mm. many of them have gone that way. I mean, 
that's certainly not i know mine is a little gone that way but uh, it's just not something i will replace as a result but you but, must remember uh, that if it's discolored the plastic can be weaker and more brittle yeah, yes. and something to be aware of so even though you don't mind it visually you've got to think about structurally it's affected and it's reversible, but only for a certain amount of time, isn't it? It only lasts for so long. Yeah, the, the reversing, yes. You can, yeah, you can reverse it. There are products you can get. But yes, I believe that ultimately it will, it will go back. It's not, it's not. It's happened to me on my own, on Countdown on the rocket. On one side, uh, it's gone a little bit yellow. So I did the trick and it lasted about a year and then the yellowing came back. What, in exactly the same spot? Yeah, exactly the same place. Mm. So yeah, I, I was led to understand that was the case. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. It's a shame, isn't it? Because you know you, you often hear that solution, you know, the old peroxide thing, um, for for de-yellowing. But um, yeah, temporary. Uh, it's like I'm trying sure. to live forever. You can't reverse aging. You can't live forever. Mm. Mm. It is. It's a really easy process to actually do because it's and it's it's you know it's not expensive either. It's but it, like you say, some things last longer than others, and it's is it worth it or is it just worth going to find another version of the toy? I, I just love it because it. It contains two steps that are absolute no-nos if you want a toy not to yellow. One of them is putting them in the sun, and the yeah. other one is putting it in a plastic, you know, in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. And those two steps are required for the peroxide process, but normally those are two things that you would absolutely avoid. Yeah, it's quite counterintuitive. Right. It is super weird, though, when you do it the first time, and you when you see the results, and you're just like, wow, how has this happened? And then a year later, you're like, oh. There was there was something I saw online actually the other day that was supposedly like some chemical or something you could buy that was supposed to be like you know magic for um, action figures or whatever you know the, the fake one wasn't it yeah I, I don't know if it's fake or not I, I literally I, someone posted a, a link to an advert for it and I didn't have chance to kind of really look into it or whatever um, but it, I mean it seemed too good to be true let's put it that way it's the kind of thing where like if it worked you kind of feel like more people would be talking about it, you know? I still, I still find it strange today, though, that we still have that on toys, the yellowing as well. It's like, it feels like something they should have worked out how to kind of stop by now. Mm. Yeah, Especially like when sure new they're... toys yellow at a faster pace than vintage toys in some cases. Yeah. Do you think of any in particular? Well, I'm really surprised that those uh, reissue Macross Valkyries, because they, are, mm. they turn up as yellowed as, as the vintage do. And, and also reissue G1 Ultra Magnus that we spoke about a couple of episodes ago is, is yeah. another example of, of that. I want to talk about accessories. How do you guys display accessories that are not immediately used on the toys when they're in your displays? Or how do you store them, not I guess, display them, I guess? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, I think it's, it's more a question of storing them here. I mean, it's um, some accessories, I guess it depends what it is. It's a bit like, trailers and stuff like that isn't it you know the, as i say some some stuff like thunder clashes trailer for me would go in a display um is that an accessory or is that part of the toy i, I don't really you know <laughs> however you quantify it but that for me is like display worthy um most accessories um i have in little bags and they go in a drawer uh, and i find that works quite well for me i kind of try and organize them by uh, you know, sort of categories, so like masterpiece stuff, and then I will separate out the bags, you know. So, for example, there's a bag of actual official Takara masterpiece stuff, and then in there, for some stuff is in one big bag, um, you know, like car bots, for example. I'll just keep a bag of all the guns and things like that. But then if it's like Ironhide and it's got like a bazillion accessories, I'll just have a little bag inside the big one for 
just his accessories to try and keep it relatively organized. And a lot of that, again, is photography because you want to have the stuff, you know, when you if you want to suddenly do a, a photo with MP Ironhide and, you know, you need access to one of his particular guns, you don't want to be rooting around in boxes and whatever for it for ages. You just want to have a system, you know, where you can kind of get to it. Um, so I think for it, it probably depends. It's, pro- it's a very specific thing for me. I know lots of people just keep them in the boxes sometimes, you know, in the, in the actual uh, toy boxes themselves, you know, if they're not that fussed about the accessories. For me, I need a system where I can kind of get to the stuff so that I can then include it in a photo if I want to. Um, so that works for me. Yeah, for me, it depends how intrinsic they are to the toy. So if it's something like a trailer, it's on display with the toy, any kind of accessory like that. But where it's like little extra guns or weapons, like the Titans Return figures came with a lot of random sort of guns that the you know, little figures could sit in and stuff like that. They don't stay on display. They just go in a drawer in little bags. Not quite the nesting Russian doll style bags like Sixo does there, just little bags chucked in a in a drawer. <laughs> That's about it. But I, I, I think it's it's interesting though because like G one actually you suddenly realise has relatively few accessories that can't be stored or displayed on the toy itself. Like it's there's not that many. Uh, you know, if I look at the kind of size of piles of accessories, G one is the smallest by far because most of it can be uh, you know equipped on the actual robots in robot mode. Whereas masterpiece by comparison is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, there's yeah, so much true, yeah. stuff. Um, and some of it, you know, I think when you get a lot of it, it, some of those accessories are fun to start with, but then I can understand why equally people roll their eyes a bit sometimes as well, you know, because there is a lot that you might use once and then goes into storage or whatever. So that is definitely, yeah, I was actually thinking that with the masterpiece stuff the day when I was boxing up masterpiece hound and I opened the box and there was a load of stuff and it's like, I forgot it was all in there. I just took out the toy, the gun, the little spike figure and that's about it and the rest of it you're like oh yeah there's all this sort of unnecessary stuff because you get so many accessories now don't you that are good for photography but not for the most part it's just another thing to leave in the box isn't it yeah it's it's a lot yeah i do like them you know definitely but there are there is you know there are accessories that i've used once maybe twice and then never more you know and it's um that that stuff does take up a lot of space as well so i can understand why people get sometimes a little bit knocked about you know the price being jacked up or whatever you know how people kind of feel about it on mp toys um for accessories that they're not going to use particularly uh you know and and again we use them for photography not everybody's going to do that so um you know a lot of people like you say just will leave them in the box or whatever it was good that you mentioned g1 because you're talking about the dino bots and the little rocket launches and they're accessories that no matter how hard I try it, I can't find a way to display them with the Dinobots because they just don't have enough hands. They've got swords, guns, and a missile. Yeah, they've got I wanted to talk about that exactly, exact thing. About, Two guns and a sword. Yeah. Well, how many accessories do you lump onto a figure and affect the way it actually looks versus how you want it to look just so that you don't have to store a few more accessories? And it leads me to this hilarious story that the Space Bridge told me about Prime Fists and the gun that comes with Optimus Prime. And because he found that it was always the left fist that was missing from Optimus Primes. But they would have the right fist and the gun. And that's because people would typically put the gun in the right hand, and therefore it was a bit easier to keep track of, 
that stayed with the toy in some capacity, or maybe it would always stay in the fist, but the left fist would always be missing. It just made me think of like, do we mostly put the gun in the right hand for our robots and, and how I'm that sure. would affect what accessories would be difficult to yeah. find 30 years later? Is I'm sure nine times out of 10, it's the right hand, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, maybe it depends. I'm not a lefty, so I can't speak on behalf of lefties, but maybe they do it the other way. I don't know. Transformers 90s style. The Beast Wars is coming up next on I feel that there are two topics or, or two specific things when it comes to toy display and um, toy storage that are quite current. Now, around about a month ago, there was a tweet doing the rounds where someone said in the middle of the night, thousands of pounds or dollars worth of robots cried out in pain and then were silent. And he tweeted a picture of this collapsed display room which had just imploded, and these uh, the plastic display stands that he used, you know, you use the tubes to sort of, it's modular, and you just keep building it and higher as it goes, had all just collapsed, and there was just piles and piles of Transformers, expensive masterpiece, third-party generations, all sorts, just in this uh, really very sad pile in the middle of the room. And obviously, you know, the internet being the expert on all things told him what he was doing wrong with his, with his display using those uh, slightly unreliable and kind of wobbly plastic shelves but uh, did you guys see that tweet very much so yes i think everybody saw that tweet it's, uh, it's just one of those that does the rounds isn't it as you say i remember that kind of uh, tubing and shelving is used by people who display at tf nation and, and it's it's supposed to be temporary and when i've helped dealers uh, and we've been putting things on those shelves i always worry because there was so much give in those things and there was so much movement laterally with those i was just like it's a good yeah. thing this is only being used temporarily and we're right here the whole time well i guess they're good for conventions aren't they because it's it, it kind of quick and easy to put up or you know exactly. and transport and light and all of that but yeah they're not meant for permanent displays for sure uh but I, that I, you know i don't want to sound like i'm you know, throwing shade or whatever, <laughs> anybody's display options, but just purely from a recommendation point of view, you know, as you said, it's it's just not designed to kind of hold, you know, lots of uh, lots of stuff over that long time. So yeah, and, the, and the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, you know, where does some of the tallest, biggest robots end up in displays sometimes at the top, because the there's top. the most clearance between the roof, the ceiling and, and the display, and they're the ones that take the biggest dives. Uh, yeah, definitely. And I think it, it is, you know, you've got to be careful with that stuff because the last thing you want is absolutely everything collapsing. It is kind of heartbreaking to see that. I mean, that tweet, I think part of the reason it captured so much attention was that just a lot of people, I'm sure, can kind of imagine what that must be like, you know, the mm-hmm. absolute horror of just walking in. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I I um I do remember actually a couple of years ago, I think I heard a crash where my collection used to be downstairs. I heard a crash downstairs and a mirror, it turned out to be anyway, a mirror had fallen off the bathroom wall downstairs, down there. Um, I was alone in the house at the time and, uh, I, you know, the cord had just snapped or whatever and it was an almighty mess. But my first thought was, Oh my god, it's something in, you know, with the collection or whatever, that something had come off the wall or whatever, and it was just like, you know, it would have been a disaster. And as I was kind of running down the stairs to see it, it was like this, oh, you know, what am I gonna find? And in a way, I'm I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of relieved it was just the mirror, obviously. But um yeah, I, I can kind of imagine what it must be like and not very nice. No, I think when uh, when 
the last apartment we were living in, in the middle of the night, the shower cubicle shattered, just randomly shattered. The amount of trouble that we went to to clean that up, I almost wish it was my collection instead of the shower cubicle. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, I mean, we, I've obviously heard stories of Detolf cabinets, just the glass absolutely shattering on those. I mean, do you remember there was a UK collector who just randomly one day, the, one of their Detolf cabinets, the door just yeah. absolutely shattered. Probably yeah, maybe something to do with the tension in, in the screws and everything. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, that was really, well. I, I do remember that. That was pretty horrific as well because uh, it shatters into tiny little pieces, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's made to though. It's made to yeah. to go into those small pieces, isn't it, for safety? Yeah. Still pretty uh, <laughs> pretty terrifying, I should imagine. I do have a lot of worry about things falling off shelves. You know, sort of like like the mask cars and Jurassic Park stuff because they're quite big for the shelves and they've got really big wheels. So you always have to sort of position them at an angle where they're not going to roll off. But then that takes up more space. So a lot of time they are facing forward. And I think sometimes when I walk in the room, I'm like, is this room shaking enough for them to all start piling up? Well, yeah, I mean, I had some worries recently with the thousands of earthquakes we were having here. I was <laughs> always concerned about, you know, and you absolutely have to secure your your cabinets to the wall. I mean, it's just a must do. If you have kids as well, it's just, yeah. or pets even, you know, it's um, it's a must do. And, and, I, and I have to get around to that, especially living in a country which is so seismically active. I think the I only thing that ever. <laughs> yeah. but, no, neither are mine, and they really should be. Like everything in my daughter's room is secured to a yeah. to a to a wall, but in my room it's not yet, and I've just got to get those brackets out and do it. And I'm just thinking, well, what if I get a sixth cabinet and everything moves along a little bit more? I'll just have to do it again. But it, it's, it's something that has to be done. It's one of those to do right at the start, isn't it? When you put the cabinets in, otherwise you forget about it and whatever else. But it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a must do for sure because um, it's just a big risk otherwise, uh, particularly if you've got loads of earthquakes. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we absolutely must mention when it comes to displays, and we kind of mentioned it at the start of the episode, is the new HasLab Unicron. Mm. Do you guys have any idea how you're going to display yours? Liam, you're not getting one, are you? No, he's too big. Well, yeah, I decided for that reason as well. It's too big. For me, it was too expensive. And uh, I must admit to a degree of envy now looking at the pictures of people's Unicrons arriving but uh, Sixo, how are you going to display yours? Absolutely no idea. Got to be frank about it. And, you know, I'm sure there are people that hear that and they're like, that's madness, you know, to, to kind of, I suppose, invite this thing into your house and not know what you're going to do with it. But hey-ho, I, I figure I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work it out. I, I guess for me, it was just, you know, it's it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things, you know, t- that just won't come around again in a hurry i mean maybe i'm sure eventually there'll be something bigger something better whatever but it's unicron you know it's just so um legendary really in 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 this fandom and for me i just couldn't imagine not getting the chance to to kind of have a go with it and just to see what it's all about and will it be with me forever i I honestly don't know i mean I, i suppose the reality is is that you know if anybody does decide that they do want to move it on. It's got good resale value already. You know, we're kind of seeing that. So it's already tripled in um, price, isn't it? Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. And, you know, people, I think a lot of people assumed that there was going to be another, you know, like a wider retail release. And that's kind of looking like maybe that won't happen now. Although they kind of alluded to it in the video, didn't they? And kind of said, well, we really feel like the initial release, at least that they, they wouldn't do that again because they wanted to keep it special for the, the people that, you know, funded it, crowdfunded it, whatever. For the backers, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, that backed it. Um, whether they'll do it in another deco or something, 
I don't know, maybe. But for for me, I, you know, I am nervous about the the uh, the whole kind of space thing, but I'm also not because I'm thinking it's just going to be fun to kind of experience it. And so I, I kind of have in a vague sort of place in mind for it. Um, but I, I would like to see it in planet mode uh, and see how that kind of works um, and, and if it will look good there. So we'll have to see how it goes. See, for me, I think I'm more envious of the space people have to have it than having the toy itself because mm. like, even with the Titan class figures, they don't fit on my shelf. So at the minute, they're all just covering the floor. And like some of my favorite toys are like Boulder Hill and the Starcom command base. But I know I said earlier, none of the toys in storage are toys I like, but like... I'm like the brown Pinocchio right now because it turns out that like Boulder Hill and stuff like that are all in storage because they are just yeah. too big to have on display anywhere and there's no way to do it. So I'm always envious of how people find room for toys like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a real thing, actually. It's a real problem. This is something I really struggle with. And, and again, you know, things like third-party combiners are the worst for it as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, once you get into that, 3pmp world you know and you want to have a devastator a bruticus a superion you know they just take up so much space i know we kind of fans, talked about fans it. toys fortress maximus <laughs> well that is i mean that's that's a good point that i mean if that actually happens which i don't know part of me still isn't entirely convinced it will like i, I maybe it will i don't know but i think it's still so crazy it's such a such a crazy prospect we'll have to see um, that's the toy you have it, to uh, get a school place for isn't it because it's so well, big yeah where on earth is that going to go in anybody's home there's no amount of reshuffling your display that can make room for that thing uh you know the size that they're talking about it being have you have you seen pictures of it Maz? i, I haven't seen it at all no but it's I'm intrigued now so well you've got to, you you'll have to look it up after this and and if people are listening to this going what fans toys fortress maximus just look it up honestly because uh it's it's ridiculous. It's so big. Uh, I mean, there's a picture of it next to. Uh, I think I. I think actually I um, worked it out and and put together a little picture of what it would look like next to something like their Fans Toys Hot Rod. And it's. I mean, it's human size. Genuinely, uh, it's way, way, way bigger than Unicron uh, could ever hope to be. It is massive. It could ride a Shetland pony. It's that kind of size, isn't it? It's like a small yeah, child. Yeah. Yeah, Maz is looking it up. You see what I mean? It's, uh, I mean, is that ever going to come to fruition? I don't know. All we've seen is those come kind of come off it. It's like that Metroplex that that dude built in his house. You know, yeah, the thing yeah. that could house his books and his TV and everything else. Yeah, and they're proposing to sell it at retail. Far, Do you think it is like it's going to out? It's going to be too big for people to store, isn't it? For most people. I mean, I, I know it's even lo- a very niche market anyway, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be out on that one. I think a lot of people would, you know, even Unicron backers would surely have nervousness about Fort Max because that particular Fort Max, because it is so large. And as I say, it's person size. I don't know where you would put it. I really don't. And it's only a few years ago when people would like complaining about the size of sort of um, the third party Omega Supremes, weren't they? Everyone was like, they're, they're very big. Where am I going to put them? And now we just seem to keep scaling up again, don't we? Yeah, well, that was Franz Toys again that kind of started that. And I remember when uh, when they did that Omega, you know, when they first unveiled it, it was really like, oh my god, are they crazy? You know, what are they doing? They're going to do two boxes. Omega. They had to ship it in two boxes, yeah, right? Like, are they going to do Omega Supreme? Like, this is going to be 
yeah, redonkulous. And then look, a few years later, here we are. Oh no, they're going to do Fortress Maximus, and it's going to be like four times the size of the Omega Supreme that they did, or whatever it is. I don't know, but it's you know, it looks to be like that big, right? Can I just say, um, googling Fans Toys Fortress Maximus brought up uh, a copious amount of Sixo photographs. <laughs> mm, I may have tweeted about it a few times. One thing though, this uh, this Unicron, you mentioned a couple of episodes ago that this was a watershed moment for most collectors. Yes. Uh, they, you know, either in space terms or in finance terms. And it's an official toy and it qualifies as grail status because of a number of very key significant things to do with this character, which makes sense. It's, it's okay, maybe it's a one-off. It's a total standalone. It's an event release. It's a, it's a thing of its time and everyone's going to remember where they were when HasLab Unicron came out and and they drop the money. But this thing, imagine the next project from Haslab is Cybertron. The planet Cybertron. Non-transforming, yeah. massive Cybertron that you can have your Unicron clawing into, you know, with a display stand next to it. That is a supremely iconic scene from the beloved Transformers movie. Who's going to be able to resist that? You know, well, based on that- the fact that they've opened the floodgates now. Yeah, actually, I I, um, I did an article when Unicron was first unveiled that um, was kind of a bit tongue-in-cheek. It was like all the reasons why you shouldn't buy Unicron, but they were really, this is the twist, they were reasons that you should. Uh, but, uh, yeah, mm, cheeky me. But um, one of them was talking about, you know, what, what happens if they then go on to do a Primus, you know, or a Cybertron or whatever, you know, what are you going to do? Because at that point, you know, you're kind of in for a penny and for a pound in a certain respect, aren't you? You know, as you say, just imagine like you get Unicron, it's all good. You know, you've just made the room for it, uh, you know, all of that. And then they do a Cybertron or a Primus and you think, okay, that's too much for me now. And then actually seeing people in hand with this thing, posting their pictures and whatever else, it, yeah, it would, be, <laughs> it would be a bit crushing, certainly. Especially as if they do a Cybertron and it doesn't transform, and it doesn't need that level of engineering. It could conceivably be much more affordable than Unicron, yeah, that's but true. much more sizable. So you'd have the space concern and the display concern. It'd be like, well, it's like an accessory, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it would. It would have to be pretty big, pretty pretty big. Um, I don't think they will. I think that that would be maybe they'll do just like a hemisphere. You know, yeah, just just a part of it, just so you can recreate the claw scene, but not yeah. the whole planet. That would be cool. I think when you do this and, you know, you do reviewing and all of that, you know, you, you're kind of, in some ways, you know, you're already knee deep into this stuff, you know, but there are people, I'm sure, that maybe they've only got, you know, a very small collection already. And then this opportunity presents itself to own Unicron and, you know, they, whether they love Transformers as a kid in the 80s or since then or whatever, it doesn't matter. But the the point is, is that for a lot of people, it might be a, okay, how, how deep into this do I want to get now? You know, if I've got... Like my collection, for example, is like a handful of War for Cybertron figures, and now they've announced Unicron. Ooh, like where do I sit on that? You know, and it, it could be a real gateway drug for a lot of people into, uh, you know, kind of more serious collecting. I think. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there will be people that probably this might be the start of their display in some ways. Uh, do we think that it's actually going to end up being one of those that lives in storage more than? I mean, people are going to keep the box, obviously. I, you know, Maybe some people will get rid of it, but then if there's a moment in your life where you can't display this thing anymore, where's it going maybe. to go? 
Maybe. I think the box is an interesting one by itself because actually the box is huge. I mean, it's again, it's like the size of a dishwasher box. And where do you store that? Do you know? So it's it's one thing storing the toy, but then if you've got the toy and the box, that's a consideration. And that's yeah, not I mean, the kind of box you're going to be in, is it, either? Uh, you can't flatten well, it. Well, you can flatten the outer box, but then you've got the styro, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's, that's a whole thing. In some ways, I'm... Uh, and I know I'm not the only one. I'm sort of almost more nervous about the box because I'm like, it's going to take up a lot of room in the old in the old garage, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's a ridiculous hobby, really, isn't it? And this is just the, the pinnacle of all of it. Let's be fair. Hey, don't flip out. Transformers Generation Two will be right back. Okay, I want to do one quick fire question to to finish up the episode. I want to ask you if there's one thing you could change about your collection display, what would it be? I think, to be honest, I think it would just be to get shelving units that have got sort of, you know, covers on the front because I am quite tired of the amount of dust they pick up. And like, even though I don't dust them that often, it's such a chore when I have to. Anything that would make that a lot easier. I think that'd be my primary consideration rather than it just being on a display sort of to look great because I'm mostly the only person who comes in here. So for me, it's mostly just save myself a lot of work and again getting bigger shelves to get more stuff in as it's spreading out yeah i think that would probably be it for me to be fair is maybe just to have a bit more room to have everything to breathe just a little bit instead of sort of feeling like it is slightly kind of like hemmed in um so yeah that's that's probably it for me but i'm I'm sure that's you could ask a lot of people, I'm sure they'd say the same, more room. Uh, you know, ultimately, that's it's a struggle for all collectors, isn't it? Whether you're, but I do think there's an element of your um, space is almost never enough. You know, it's so whether you have 10 toys or you have 100, you, you know, you're always kind of grappling with the space element to some extent because you, you keep kind of evolving the space that you have in your house for this stuff. I mean, I remember back when I had a very small collection. And, uh, you know, genuinely would fit onto like one shelf. And still, I don't think at the time I was like, oh, there's not enough room for this. You know, I'll have to clear some books away, <laughs> kind of make a bit more room every time, a, you know, like a new one would turn up. So it, it's just, there's there's never enough space, but it kind of keeps growing, if that makes sense. It's, it's a weird kind of yeah. dichotomy. I can't really explain it. There is some, a sense of the space you have does sort of dictate how your collection sort of builds, doesn't it? and mm. how it develops to some extent because i've noticed lately i've started going backwards with stuff i've started selling stuff to try and fit more of it on the shelves rather than it all being all over the floor and just to try and breathe a bit more in the room yeah i think if there's one thing i would change um other than more space shock and absorbers. maybe instead of say that again shock absorbers for you like yeah wow right <laughs> suspension i think uh other than having maybe another Dettol 4.2, was maybe to go with one large glass cabinet. I really love how they look, you know, um, people who display them in much wider glass cabinets. But also I think I would be even stricter with the things that I'd bought because I, I own things now that I can't bring myself to sell and I, I display them as well as I can. But I feel like if I had made slightly stricter decisions about what I'd buy, I'd have less issue with space and display now guilt for owning too many of some things and unable to own certain things that I want maybe, but I know I don't have space for like, um, I'd love to have more ultimate collectors 
Star Wars ships. I'm not actually a massive Star Wars fan, but I love the the Lego for for those ships, and I'd like to have you know a Star Destroyer. But I know that is absolutely impossible for me to display that in my, in my room or, or in the home. And actually, you know what, Sixo, you were just saying about when you had one shelf. I still have a photo of when my entire collection in late 2003 was a reissue Tiger Track and a reissue White Astro Train. That was my entire collection. And I had them displayed on the same shelf with their collector's card, and it just felt amazing. I loved how mm. that looked. It was so clean and so the, so much the focus. There is something about a small display, you know, a, a kind of focused uh, but very kind of small display. It does look good. And I think one other thing I would change is I would find a way of displaying my childhood Transformers because I have them all. The only one that lives in my display now is Target Master Scourge. And that's actually just the Frecus. The, the oh, oh Target, Master Target Master Scourge? You've not mentioned him at all. Oh, this is no, I quite like that. This. Yeah. But do you have the, the boxes as well, maybe? Yeah. One box. No, no bubble. But uh, have we talked about Pink Hot Rod this week? We haven't, but we should. Yeah. yeah. I'd find a way of displaying a Pink Hot Rod. I would. I'd, I'd make display space for that. It would need a, a shelf of its own, I think. Yeah. I'd like a bisque shelf as well. <laughs> of course you would. Here's a question, Maz. If you could get a pink hot rod, would you buy a second one to do it up with the stickers like we saw on the advert? Oh, yeah, the UK advert with... What, what did it have? It had Starscream, yeah. Skywarp, and Tracks stickers on yeah, it, didn't it, had, it? Yeah. Well, I never thought of it. Now you've put the idea in my head. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be able to rest until I've done something precisely like that, even with a standard G1 hot rod. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the more I watched the the advert last night. I was like, I talked myself into it. I was like, man, now I really want one that looks like this. That's it. It's, it's, with the track it's flame now. on the front. You know, my situation with stickers and, and G1 toys, it's, it's just absolutely going to have to be a thing now. But can we, just before we go, childhood Transformers, do you still have any of your childhood Transformers? Either of you? Uh, I've got uh, some. Yeah, I've got still got Lightspeed and the Lightspeed. Is it Lightspeed? The motivator the red one yeah with the missing tires yeah. and the missing roof yeah, the missing roof he's destroyed and the also the yellow drill tank guy that was the rescue is it rescue force oh yeah yeah rescue yeah he doesn't have a name no do either of you display any of those toys uh no i have well i've sold actually a lot of mine to be fair but i the one i do have is um vintage optimus prime in uh box but it wasn't quite childhood it was a little bit after that um, so I don't know if I would class that necessarily. I suppose I think of it as childhood because it's not from adulthood, if that makes sense. But yeah. it's not it's not strictly from childhood either. Yeah, no, both of mine are so knackered. They're just in a drawer. The, end, the oldest one I've got is the Vintage Optimus Prime, which I've had since the 90s. And that's on display because that's just pretty. I still have all of my childhood Transformers, How? the ones that weren't lost at the time or destroyed at the time. And I just think, that association with childhood and the way they were played with and have always been stored. I wonder if anyone actually does display their childhood Transformers because there's a lot of sentiment I attach to mine and yet they're all, well, they're bubble wrapped, but they're in a tub and away and not on display. And I've never even considered bringing them here to Iceland to, to put them on display. But thinking about it, I'd actually really love to have a display dedicated to my childhood Transformers because those I will, you know, cold dead hands is, is what we're talking about parting with those even though they're not in great condition and I own way better conditioned versions of those, these mint ones would always go before those. And I do wonder if anyone actually displays their childhood Transformers 
or once they've got that association with childhood and the way you play with them, they just always stay that way. It is that connection, isn't it? That's a very special connection to the toys. And I think that's what we kind of all chase, isn't it? When you when we are buying vintage toys, it's that same connection we had to them as children. Thanks so much for joining us for episode four of Triple Takeover. Uh, if there's any sort of display solution or or display mechanic that we haven't talked about you know feel free to share images of your own display and uh and tag us as well on twitter at triple underscore takeover we'd love to see your display pictures how you how you display your toys or if you have a particularly smart way of storing them do you have lighting we didn't really talk about lighting in this episode but if you've got something fancy going on we'd love to see it if there's anything we didn't mention you know we'd love to hear from you as well and uh, Sixo, where can where can our followers find you on social? Well, I'm on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Wikipedia. Probably, I don't know. Where, what, what are the other ones? I think that's all of them. At Sixo TF and Liam, I am on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, probably MySpace, Bebo if that still exists. Maybe there, MSN Messenger, <laughs> AOL, <laughs> all of those things. Just look for Toy Box Box. And you can find me at TF Square One on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And speaking of social media, thank you to everyone who's followed us, uh, continues to support us and share our content. So many kind words, especially from other established podcasters as well in the community. It's been, yeah, that's been great. positively overwhelming to hear all your kind words and and even, you know, we've had people who we admire quite a lot who've mentioned the podcast and that's that's just been amazing so thank you so much for that and obviously we, we'd love to continue hearing from you thanks once again for joining us see you next time Bye.